What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Bobby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champion. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the... You know what? (laughs) It's only game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hold bitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer... To the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. Ladies and gentlemen from Northeast Ohio and beyond, this is the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron. You likely recognize my voice. I'm back in the host chair this Sunday. My name is Jake Murren. On the other side of the desk are two great analysts joining me for today's show. First, he is the biggest Akron Zips fan on this campus but he's had a rough go of it lately with his professional sports teams. He is Pat Weber. Let's go, Zips. And second, the reason why this show is so special, making his last appearance on Sports Power Talk, he is Dan Groen. How's it going, everyone? We'll officially say farewell to Dan later in the show in the last segment. As Dan has done many times on SBT, he'll host Sports and NFL Jeopardy, where Pat will likely beat me before (laughs) Dan gives his final sports take on the air. Before that, and in an hour, we'll recap the Browns-Ravens game yesterday, what it means for the Browns. Also do NFL pick'ems for Week 15 and more in that segment. In half an hour, we'll discuss the NBA with a Cavs week in, re- week in review. We'll also get a quick update from Dan and Pat on the Columbus Blue Jackets and on any NHL headlines that there might be. A quick programming note, though. This will be the last Sunday Sports Power Talk of the year. Of course, we wish everyone a happy holidays, and we hope to provide a show some weekday to make up for not being on air two weeks in a row. We'll keep you posted on when that might be on our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. Since it is the last Sunday edition of SBT of 2022, let's start with a bang and let's start with our very own Akron Zips basketball teams and hot mic in a matter of moments. The Zips men's basketball team, though, let's talk about their win last Sunday against Jackson State as the Zips men's team prevailed 85-72. to Jackson State fell to 1-8, and and Xavier Castaneda led the Zips in scoring with 23 points on 5-for-8 shooting. I want to hear from you guys, though. What did you think of the Zips win last Sunday? So despite the win, um, it was not a very good win at all. 
Um, I mean, Jackson State, we had outscored them 54-26 to in the first half. So it looked like it was going to be a blowout of a game that, you know, we could kind of just ride it out like we did with Muskingum in a way. Um, and Jackson State went on to outscore us 46-31 to in the second half. And like you said, this team dropped to 1-8. and They were 1-7 and coming in um, to the jar, coming into Akron, and we almost blew our lead away. There was a point where we were actually tied with them. Um, which I didn't really understand how we managed to go from you know that fifty four to twenty six lead. All of a sudden, it's gone. We're tied with them, and this is a team like you know they have one win, so it wasn't a very good win. I'm glad that we did get the win though, because that does help improve our standings in the MAC right now. Um, but overall, I wasn't really that impressed with our uh, second half performance. At least it was very very subpar. Yeah, looking at the final score, you know, giving up seventy two points to a one win team when you're the reigning MAC champions, it's kind of a bad look. Um, obviously, it's always good to walk away with the win no matter what, which is what they did. Um, but, yeah, you would hope that they would play a little bit better in the future, especially against bad teams like Jackson State. Uh, but one player that really stood out to me was uh, Trendon Hankerson. Mm-hmm. He had a really solid game and has shown that he's been a welcome addition since transferring uh, from NIU. So it's really nice to have that senior presence on the team. Yeah, I agree. I was going to bring up Trenton Hankerson myself. Also Enrique Freeman scoring 17, a perfect 7-for-7 shooting, only one rebound shy of a double-double for the double-double machine that is Enrique Freeman. And just looking at this game, I really expected the Zips to put up a lot of points, knowing that Jackson State has a terrible defense. So we did give up 72 points. We did shoot 53.8% from the field and 39.3% from three-point range against a defense, like I said, in Jackson State that gives up over 80 points per game. So you love to see that win there for the Akron Zips. Uh, They also got another win this week on Wednesday against the Wright State Raiders. Uh, The Zips won 66-54. Wright State fell to 5-6. Before we break down the Zips win, here's what Coach John Gross had to say after the game against the Raiders. Wow, just uh, you know, great win for us. I really have a lot of respect for Coach Nagy and what he does at Wright State and the success that they've had. I knew we would have to play well. I thought defensively we were great both halves. It was as good as we've been defensively and you know, maybe since the Caymans in certain stretches. And uh, so that was encouraging. I thought offensively the first half, the ball didn't move. I thought we deserved to score 28 points. We didn't move the ball. We didn't execute. I didn't think we played very well together. And coming out of second half, we were determined to do that. And I thought we had a much better offensive second half. The ball moved. We were faster. Uh, we got out in transition. And then obviously, you know, stating the obvious here, when Enrique Freeman's able to be on the floor as much as he was in the second half relative to the first half, it's a completely different, you know, game. So we're glad to have him back out there for the second half. He makes a difference at both ends of the floor. Once again, that was Coach John Gross after the Zips win over the Raiders of Wright State. Gentlemen, what would you make of Wednesday night's game? I was actually, this was a game that was a big improvement over what we saw against Jackson State, in my opinion. Yes, going into halftime, we were down two points. But like Coach Gross said, um, Enrique Freeman, that first half, he got into foul trouble early. We were not able to play him as we wanted to, um, but he was able to keep out of foul trouble the rest of the second half got himself 15 rebounds only eight points though but 15 rebounds is nothing to be ashamed of um sammy hunter coming off the bench five for eight three from six from three with 13 points really good shooting from him um outside of 
Sammy Hunter, though, our three-point shooting was ice cold this game as we only shot <clears throat> uh, six for 26, ending up at 23.1%. Um, but like Coach Gross said, it was a very hard-played game in the second half. I was watching that game on ESPN. It was a very hard-played uh, game, and I was very impressed with how we ended up finishing out that game, especially against a team like Wright State, where they are the defending champions of the Horizon League. These guys are very good, and we managed to hold them down in the second half and ultimately walk away with the win. Yeah, it felt like a very like old-school kind of basketball game where there was a lot of defense being played. There was a lot of physicality in the paint. Um, at, like Just looking at the box score, there's only there was only two starters for the Zips that scored uh, double-digit points. You had uh, Tavari Johnson with 14, who I've been very impressed by, and I'll touch on him in a little bit. And then Xavier Castaneda, who's actually really, truly been our best player this season. He's been lights out this year. 19 points. The only other player to have double digit was Sammy Hunter uh, with 13. So you hope to see a little more offensive production out of this team. Uh, but, you know, if if you were at the game, you can kind of just tell it was a very, like, defensive game. It was very hard fought, like I said. And going back to Tavari Johnson, or uh, Tavari Johnson, he has been very impressive to me in the several games that I've worked that I've watched he's only a freshman but he's been playing as if he's been on the team for two three years I've been you know even though he's not like the number one scorer on the team he just seems to have a really high basketball IQ and I think he'll be a very valuable piece uh, for the Zips long term he yeah. is doing very well this year. I just want to add on to what you were saying, Dan, is he is averaging 8.1 points per game as a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, might I add, so he's doing very, very well, shooting over 50% uh, percent from the field. So like you said, it seems like he's been on this team for a while with how well he's playing. So I look to him, you know, maybe he can be the next great player to come out of Akron. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I was going to mention his another performance against Wright State where he scored in double digits, and he really feels like he's the spark plug of this Sips team when Xavier Caseda is scoring points, but maybe not efficiently when Enrique Freeman might be getting in some foul trouble. Tavari Johnson seems like that third guy who can really complement this Sips offense. And not only was it a Zips win, but it was John Gross's 100th win with Akron. Here's Coach Gross once again on the accomplishment. Yeah, for, first of all, I, I had no idea until after the game. I'm trying to figure out why guys are throwing water on me. But I was appreciative of Charles and uh, bringing in the game ball. And what it really made me do very quickly was reflect on a lot of the great players we've had a chance to coach since I've been here that were a part of those 100. A great staff, great support staff. You know, the opportunity now to work for Gary and Charles, as well as others I've worked for previously. I thought about a lot of those people and just the opportunity to be at Akron, special place with great people. And uh, I love coaching this team, great group of guys, but mostly thought, Sean, about all the players and uh, how they've impacted, you know, our, uh, me personally, our staff, and our program. You couldn't come up with a better answer from a better guy getting his 100th win in the program. Anything to say, guys, on this feat for John Gross? Congratulations, Coach. It was more than well-deserved. Um, there's not much you can say. John Gross has been one of the best coaches that we've ever had the privilege of having um, here at the University of Akron. So there's nobody else that deserves that 100th win quite as much as he does. I agree. I think he's one of the best coaches that we've had <clears throat> that we've had in program history. And he's shown that he is well-deserving uh, of, of that contract that he got. And I think that he's going to have a lot of success in years to come. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well-deserved and just well-earned by, like I said, a great guy in a coach, John Gross. I know the players and just this university absolutely adore what he's done for this basketball program. Looking ahead for the Zips men's basketball team, though, we do play Maine tomorrow. Maine is 6-4. and four. They're on a two-game winning streak. I think we like our chances, though, against Maine. The game I really want to get into, though, is the game on Thursday where we go on the road the first time since November 30th to play Bradley. Bradley is seven and four and five and one at home. Pat, what do you think about this Bradley matchup on Thursday? So this game is going to be our most difficult game before we enter into Mac play. Um, the entire month of December, we have been favored to win every single game except this game against Bradley. We are actually underdogs, and not just like one or two point underdogs. No, we are big, big underdogs. Um, Bradley's been on fire recently. I mean, they're just coming off of a very, very tough loss against number 10-ranked Arkansas. Um, But looking at the rest of their games, they have played very, very good basketball. Um, If we want to be able to walk away with a win in this game, we have to shut down um, Malavi Leans. He is their uh, leading scorer and leading rebounder. Um, We have to find a way to shut him down. And we also just have to play our normal defense um, that we normally do. We are a very, very good defensive team. We need to hone in on that, stay out of foul trouble. We cannot afford to lose Enrique early in a half um, like we did against Wright State um, because Bradley will not back down at any point. They will come out all cylinders firing. Like you said, they've lost one game at home all year. This is also going to be, like, like you said, Jake, this is our first road game in almost a month. So we have to come out here. We have to be ready. We have to be uh, very calm, you know, be patient with the offense. Don't try to push anything um, because Bradley's also a very good team. They run in transition very, very well. So we just have to kind of calm down, stay out of foul trouble, um, and that's the way that we're going to be able to walk away with the win. Yeah, and that one home loss yesterday to 10th-ranked Arkansas. So not a, a terrible loss not really at all. in terms of the home play for Bradley. Any thoughts on the Bradley game on Thursday, Dan? Yeah, I mean, you pretty much said everything that I was thinking. You know, Enrique Freeman's got to stay out of foul trouble. Uh, really, the whole team needs to stay out of foul trouble. They need to keep that disciplined play because that seems to be one of our downfalls whenever we tend to lose games. It seems to be when we get into that trouble uh, with fouling. And so not only that, but you also have to have consistent scoring from all your top players, from Castaneda, from Freeman, uh, from Tribble. You need to have that consistent offensive performance every night and especially against a team like Bradley. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you guys. Let's move on, though. Sticking with Zip Sports, but let's talk about the women's basketball team. Let's talk about their Notre Dame of Ohio game on Thursday, where the Zips crushed them 80-54, to as we did with the men's team. Let's hear from the women's basketball head coach, Melissa Jackson, after the dominating win over Notre Dame College. Yeah, great win. Um, Obviously, coming off a loss, you know, we wanted to really set the tone early, and I think our starters did that, um, coming out uh, with unbelievable response, uh, great energy. You know, I think our, our defense really created a lot of our offense tonight, and just very happy, you know, with, with our overall play, but, but absolutely the start tonight uh, was really, really important. Melissa Jackson, head coach of the Zips women's basketball team after the 80-54 to win over Notre Dame of Ohio on Thursday. She emphasized the strong start that the team had, but what did you guys think of the game overall? Um, the women's basketball team, not just in that game, but this season, they have been purely dominant um, on the court. Earlier in the month, they beat Point Park 101-46. to Absolutely crushing teams out here. Um, like she said it best, 
this team is playing very, very well. They they know what they want to do. In years past, you know, we've kind of looked at the women's basketball program and they haven't been the greatest um, out of all the MAC teams. But I think this year could actually be the year that we see Akron women's basketball make that run in March. Like I guess they're playing very well. They are actually playing in a game right now against Stetson. They are down 6-14 to 14, uh, coming into the end of the first. But, you know, overall, this women's basketball team has been something to really watch this season. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we saw how much they are able to score in those games. Like you said, they, they put up over 100 points. Um, against Point Park, but I've been almost just as impressed by their defense. They've been doing an outstanding job all season. Uh, they limited Notre Dame College's production from the field, and especially in the paint, and they, they only allowed a 35.7 field goal percentage. And uh, as as far as defense goes, they recorded 16 steals in that game. So it's uh, really incredible what they're yeah, doing this season, right? And you know, you just see so much good things out of this team that doesn't always show up in the box score or the stats. Like I've been very impressed with Dominique Camp. She was a transfer from Buffalo, and she just she was just all over the floor. Uh, during that game, no matter where she was, she was always making plays, always fighting for the ball. It seemed like every time that she would fight for the ball, she ended up on the floor just because that's how physical of a player she is. So having that defense uh, and having that high-scoring, off that high-power offense, I mean, that's a recipe for really good success for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more with you guys in terms of the women's basketball team and their entire performance, really, this season so far. Uh, as we mentioned, they did tip off at 11 a.m. this morning, right when we started the show against Stetson. Uh, Tip-off was at 11. But, guys, what do you expect out of the Stetson game? Right now, it is 9-16 with 39 seconds left in the first quarter. I still expect the Zips to walk away with the win in this game. Um, if you look across you know, a lot of their wins, at the end of the first, they were trailing or they were tied or even if they had a lead, they weren't up big, maybe only by two or three. Um, so once they get going, which I expect to happen in the second quarter, um, I expect us to walk away with a big-time win today. Yeah, I agree. They And, again, touching up on that defense, Stetson is 5-0 and when they score more than 61 points. So if Akron wants to win, they have to hold them to 60 or fewer points, which hasn't been a problem with them all season. So hopefully they can uh, keep the foot on the gas with this game. Yeah, I completely agree, and we'll keep everybody updated on the score of Akron and Stetson throughout the entire show. It will likely end before we get off air, so we'll keep you updated on what's happening with the Lady Akron Zips a basketball team. Without further ado, before we go to break, though, it's time for Hot Mike. Let's get right to the questions, and let's go to Cam429 first for Hot Mike. He asks, if you could only see one matchup in person between two teams from any sport what would that one matchup be? He says his would either be UNC football visiting FSU or the Avs at the Blue Jackets. I don't know if I'd want to see the Avs at the Blue Jackets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, It'd just be two uh, AHL teams playing each other. It, both at this are point, just, yeah. yeah. Um, if I had to go with that, I would take... I think I would have to take the 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers, and I would want them to play against... Honestly, I'd want them to play against the Bengals team from last year. Um, you know, finally kind of put it at ease on who really w- runs the AFC North. Because uh, I know Bengals fans think they're the stuff now. All of a sudden, they think that, oh, they've been running this uh, conference in this division for so long. But you haven't. Um, so that's what I would want to see. I'd want to see the two best teams, uh, arguably, that they've had 
kind of headed off against each other in a true AFC North, just hard-nosed football game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's any better game to watch than the game, Ohio State versus Michigan. I mean, just looking at the ticket prices for that, it was just unbelievable. So if I had the opportunity to go down there and watch the game in person, I don't think there'd be a better atmosphere to be a part of. Yeah, I was close to picking that one. Everybody likely knows that I'm a big combat sports fan, so I'd probably go somewhere in that avenue. I'll go Stipe Miocic, the GOAT from Cleveland, Ohio, taking on the pound-for-pound GOAT of all time in UFC and MMA, John Jones. I'd love to see that fight at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in front of Cleveland fans. I think that would be epic to see Stipe's walkout and hopefully a win over John Jones. I'd love to be in that crowd. Cam429's next question. In football, do you have a preference between weather-affected games or perfect dome games? It feels like teams are trying to build domes so they can host Super Bowls and other big games. I think there should be less domes and teams should play in their true climate environment. What do you guys think? I love weather games, especially snow games. I love them. I think they're so fun to watch because teams, you can't just air the ball out the entire time like you want to. You know, they're building all these domes because, yes, they do want to be able to ho- like host Super Bowls in those cities. Um, so I do understand that. But, you know, having the domes all the time, it takes away the true fun of what football really is, where, you know, you're not going to get perfect weather every single game. You're not going to be able to do the exact same thing every single game. You have to game plan for the weather, like not just the team, but also for the weather. So I I prefer to see, you know, snow games like we saw yesterday with Buffalo and Miami, big snow game. I was a huge fan of that game. Yeah, I, I'm so torn on this because I think that there's good arguments for both sides. I really like the weather games because it just adds that X factor, that element that you just love to see that has been part of the game for so long. But at the same time, you know, if you have the opportunity to bring a Super Bowl to your city, to Cleveland, Ohio, to Buffalo, New York, to like exponentially boost the economy. I don't see how you could turn that down. So I'm I'm conflicted by that. So I guess my middle ground would be a retractable dome. I just I just <laughs> think it's so much fun. You know, I I have yet to go to a warm football game. All three of my NFL experiences have been when it's freezing out, standing mm-hmm. in first energy, standing at Heinz Field, sub like subarctic temperatures, wind chills of like negative ten. But just being there in the atmosphere, you know, watching the players and the coaches trying to game plan around, you know, how cold it is, mm-hmm. how how you know fast the wind's going. It's just, it's just really nothing an experience. Like it, yeah. yeah, there's nothing like it. And you enjoyed being in the the stands those games. Um, so uh, <laughs> the one game, no, because uh, the Browns beat the Steelers that that game. Um, the second game, uh, when I was at Heinz Field, that atmosphere was electric so i didn't mind standing in the cold that much um now i will say when i was at first energy i wasn't in the upper bowl i was down lower to the field so it was a little more tolerable when i was at heinz field i was in the upper bowl um facing out towards uh the rivers so that was (laughs) that was pretty terrible for that i couldn't feel anything by the time we got back to the hotel i looked at one of my friends and i was like yeah i can't feel anything like i'm surprised i'm walking right now because I feel like I'd like frozen myself to death, but I mean, it, it's the experience that you get while doing that, you know, because everybody there's doing the same thing that you are. They're all wanting the same thing that you are. You know, they want to see a win. They want to get warm and the atmosphere is just electric when it comes time for winter games. Yeah, that's fair. I'm kind of torn like Dan is. I understand why teams and cities would want a dome or want a, a retractable roof. 
personally, I don't really care. Sure, the the snow games are entertaining, but at the end of the day, if it's easier on teams to game plan, things like that in a dome, then I'll be... I think the turf discussion is the bigger thing right now. Yeah. Now, in your opinion... Sure. What what about what about baseball? Like, what, should there be indoor stadiums for baseball? I don't think indoor stadiums necessarily work. I mean, there are some in the MLB. I like the retractable roof for baseball a lot. Yeah, like what they have in Seattle, I think that's perfect. Yeah, or like what they have in Toronto, I think it's great too. But like when you look at teams with like permanent domes, like the Rays, it just seems like that. It takes away. It just takes away the entire atmosphere of it. Like, I could not watch a baseball it, game inside. It feels suffocating, yeah. really, in a way. Um, that's why, like, I kind of like what you guys are saying with the retractable, be- like the retractable roof and dome, because mm-hmm. that, at least at some points, you know, when you do need to use it for, like, rain or anything, like if you're going to get rained out of a game, you can still actually play that game because you have a roof. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't like the permanent domes, in my opinion. I just think that... It's just not as fun to be there because it's like you're inside the entire yeah. time. You're not outside unless, getting a chance to enjoy it. Unless everything. it's like a transparent roof or something like what Minnesota has. Yeah, but. like that. Like that's cool. I like that. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's just it takes away from the fun, like the true fun of being a sports fan exactly. when you feel like yeah. you're stuck inside of an arena. Yeah, I agree with you guys there. Moving on, though, Cam has a couple more questions. If you weren't pursuing media, what would your other ca- career path have been? Hmm. I hate to say it, but I actually originally was going to come to Akron for business because I chose Akron mostly for proximity purposes. I wanted to live at home, you know, save that money. Uh, But ultimately, I made the best decision to switch over to communications. But um, if I didn't switch over, I'd probably be miserable in business right now, to be (laughs) honest. Don't don't trash on business. (laughs) I am now a part of the College of Business. My major got moved, so... But um, I'm actually, and a lot of people don't know this, I'm not actually pursuing a media studies major right now. I am in sports management slash sports analytics. Um, But if I weren't pursuing that, I would be pursuing sports media because I love doing what I do up here as a part of WZIP. Um, But ultimately, I I like where I'm at with sports analytics and management. Hopefully, you know, one day I'll be able to land that dream job down in Tulane, down in New Orleans. Um, But yeah. Yeah, that's good to hear. For me, I feel like my backup plan was always teaching uh, for whatever reason. Um, And I'm happy that, you know, this whole media thing at WZIP has worked out because teaching now feels like an afterthought. And I am happy (laughs) that I did not go down that field. Uh, Cam also asked thoughts on Bills fans throwing snowballs on the field. And actually a comment from Workforce Transition Training said, first fan Throwing snowball ejected and loses season ticket. This whole situation was encouraged and supported by the Bills. At least a thousand snowballs were thrown at the Dolphins. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I just think it's funny. I miss this entire situation. <laughs> I think it's funny. Well, they, they had to postpone the game I. at one point because they wouldn't stop throwing snowballs. It was almost like I was years ago when um, Cincinnati was getting ready to go to the Orange Bowl. Uh, I was actually at this game. Um, I can't remember the exact year, but they had to postpone the game because fans wouldn't stop throwing oranges onto the field whenever they wanted to. Because the whole thing was, you know, you throw an orange on when they score a touchdown because, you know, they're going to go to the yeah. Orange Bowl. But then everybody was just doing it at all times, like to the opposing bench. So they had to postpone it. It was something like that in a way. See, why um, don't why don't, they're, why don't they just do that, like, all at once? Like, you know how in the hockey there's the hat trick or yeah, and then like or in they Detroit. Throw the squid yeah, they throw the, the octopus yeah. and they throw the, the catfish in Nashville or whatever. They all do it. 
all at once so it doesn't like disrupt the game. Yeah, that's what I think. They why why couldn't they do it at football? I think this was just Bills fans being Bills fans. Don't get me wrong, I love Bills fans. They're some of the most passionate fans you will ever meet. America's team, um, America's fan base. They really are. But um, I understand it in a little way because I don't know if you guys have seen the whole things on social media of the Dolphins and like their coaching staff and you know what they were saying. Mm-hmm. But like, oh, we wish it was colder. Like they're kind of dissing on Buffalo a little bit. So like, I get it because like those, like I said. Bills fans are diehard. They're going to do whatever yeah. it, you know, they're going to defend their team until they die. So, like, I just I just think it's funny. Like, I don't think you should lose the season tickets. I just don't think you, I think you should be like, you know, oh, you can't come to the next home game. You know, yeah. but you're allowed to go, you're allowed to come back. But I just think you shouldn't, you know, just be, you know, permanently banned for the rest of the season. I don't think that's right. Yeah, um, and, I, and I don't understand, like, how you can enforce that on everyone when, like, literally the whole stadium is throwing snowballs. Yeah, it's you like, can't just pin it on one fan because that's just not fair. If you're going to yeah, pin it on one least, fan, you know, at least, like, maybe everybody. threaten to penalize the yeah. Bills or something, like, saying. Put it out, like, you know, if this happens again, we will find ways, you know, yeah. find out who did what. And, yard penalty or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, don't, you, don't got the, you don't suspend the guy. You don't tell him he can't come back to games because everybody was doing it. You can't just pin the entire stadium or the entire fan base doing it on one guy. It's just not yeah. there. So is this going to go down a snowball gate? I, oh, that's <laughs> I think good. it had anything that's to good. do with the actual game, though. Yeah. I mean, of course it was postponed, but in terms of the outcome of the game, was it really affected by yeah, the Yeah, it wasn't as bad as uh, bottle gate. Right. <laughs> Next up, question from Cam. Last one for Dan. It's been fun listening to you on WZIP. What are your goals after your time at Akron comes to a close? Um, well... At least I think I'm going to go into video production. Uh, that's why I'm actually leaving WZIP. I'm going to switch my main focus over to across the station on ZTV. Uh, so shout out to them. You can check them out on YouTube and on social media. Um, but, yeah, that's what I'm planning on doing. I love my time here at WZIP, but I just don't think I'm going to pursue anything in commercial radio. Uh, but I have a lot of friends who are, and it just seems like a very fun career path to choose. So, um yeah, just as long as I stay involved in media, um, I'm keeping my options open. Yeah, absolutely. We all support your move over to ZTV. The next hot mic question uh, from Kyle Molinelli also is about Dan here, former sports director here at WZIP. He says, Danny boy, it's been an <laughs> honor and a privilege watching and listening to you over the last couple of years. Your talent and potential are limitless. I can't thank you enough for the standing O you gave me. I just wish I could return the favor. That being said... You ever try GMT? <laughs> uh, um, I have personally not met Aaron Rodgers or Joe Rogan, so I can't <laughs> say that I have. Um, but, again, I'm keeping my options open. I'm not going to roll it out because you know what I always say. Say perhaps that kind of stuff. you got <laughs> to weigh the pros and the cons. You know what I mean? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it going with the Dan-themed question. This one from also former member here at WZIP Sports, Jeff Longville, says, Dan, what has been your favorite memory from WZIP or from the University of Akron in general? Uh, I, I don't know. There's been so many, but i, I got to say that going to the Hall of Fame and interviewing all those fans from all over the country, I thought that was so cool to be a part of that. Um, me and Pat, you know, interviewing Mark Letestu, I think that was, that was awesome. an amazing experience that I never thought I would end up doing. Um, and I wish I got to interview a couple more people too, but, and then also visiting the Hall of Fame last week with uh, Casey and Lana and uh, my friend from OSU, Jeff 28, shout out to you. Um, had a blast doing that. I wouldn't have done that without being up here at WZIP. So it, yeah, I've just made so many good memories. It's hard to narrow it down to just one, but yeah. 
Yeah, Jeff Tournier also has some hot mic questions. He says, what is your best college memory so far? I kind of answered that for Dan, so we'll go to his next one. What high school teachers stick out the most as the most memorable and impactful to you? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we all know how Mr. Allen was. I think he was probably one of my favorite teachers. Um, I, I loved uh, Mr. Edwards, too. Shout out to him. Um I don't know. There's just been so many, but I'd say Mr. Allen and Mr. Edwards probably been my probably be my top two. Yeah, I'm also from Green, so I'll answer next. Uh, for me, <laughs> I'd say Mr. Tomeko, uh Always terrified of that man. Oh yeah, but he definitely put me in my way. And then uh, Mrs. Tannehill really got me on this whole journalism and media side of things. Pat. Any high school teachers ring a bell to you? Oh, so this is going to come as a surprise for me. So I am not from Green. I am from Southern Ohio, three hours away. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, my high school was very small, but there was one teacher who, at the time, he and I like actually hated each other. Like we butted heads constantly. But like looking back on it, I think that Kevin McKenna was probably one of the best teachers I ever had. Um, at the time, we didn't get along because. In high school, I didn't try at all. I was one of those guys that, like, <laughs> I just didn't try. I just kind of, like, was there mm. all the time. Um, and he and I butted heads all the time. But looking back on it, he really prepared me for what it was going to be like as a college student. Because he was a retired professor from Iowa State. And he really prepared me for, you know, he kind of prepared all of us, you know, for what to expect um, at the next level. So he's definitely the one that sticks out to me the most. And then I also have to give a little bit of love to... uh Mr. Odell, our old finance professor. I love Mr. Odell. He was just, he. I'm going to say this, he looks like Santa Claus. He's just the big guy, white, big white beard, always smiling. You know, he just made everyone's days a whole lot better when, you know, you might you know fail to test. Go talk to Mr. Odell. He's going to make your day a whole lot better. Yeah, that's great to hear. Last question from Jeff. Should Kirk Cousins be in the MVP discussion? And in your opinion, Allen or Mahomes? Uh, first of all, no. I don't think so. I think that you can make the argument, but I think that it's more like a C.J. Stroud versus Marvin Harrison Jr. type of debate as far as, you know, who should win the Heisman. I think Justin Jefferson is a lot more deserving of MVP than Kirk Cousins. But um, between Allen and Mahomes, Mahomes has been a lot more consistent this year. I would, As much as I love Josh Allen, I'd have to give it to Mahomes. Uh, Kirk O'Chains, love you, but absolutely not. No way. And uh, i got to give it to Josh Allen right now. I completely agree with Dan. I think, if anything, uh, the MVP from the Vikings should be Justin Jefferson. And if you look at the stats, um, Mahomes does beat Allen in almost every category except for, like, rushing yards, probably. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen leads there, but I do think Mahomes deserves the award over Josh Allen at this point. Last couple of questions here for Hot Mike before we go into break. Jake Mernigoat, or better known as Dan Groenigoat, <laughs> this week he asked, are the Vikings frauds? I think he asked this during a halftime when they were down 33-0, but at the end of the day, are, are the Vikings frauds? A lot of people say they are, but I don't think you accidentally come back that from that big of, a, of being down and sitting at where they are now, 11-3. 11-3. I I don't think they're frauds. I think they're legit. They got a great defense. They're high power offense on both ends. I I think they're legit. They are legit. You don't come back from the biggest deficit in NFL history by accident. Yeah, I agree with you guys, and we'll talk about that later on when we get into the NFL in our third segment. Last two questions from Dan Groenigoat. Is Matt Stafford a Hall of Famer? Quickly, guys. No. I think he is a Hall of Very Good-er. Yeah. That's fair. He's good. You know, he's a fan favorite guy, but no. 
maybe in 20 years down the road if they're running out of ideas, sure, but definitely not first ballot. Yeah, I completely agree with you guys there. Last question, the best for last from Dan Growing a Goat. Take as much time as you want, Dan. Why is Dan Growing such a goat? I wish I could answer that. Um, let me think of all the reasons why I'm such a goat. Um, <laughs> no, nah, but I, I don't know. I, it's it's an honor to be called a goat from the goat himself, Jake Murrin, a goat, or Dan Growing a goat. Um, it was a pleasure to meet him. Honestly, it was one of my that was another one of my favorite memories at WZIP. So. I wish I could answer that question, but I think you could explain it better, uh, Jake Myrna Goat. Yeah, there you go. That'll do it for <laughs> Hot Mike on today's show. We're going to head to break. When we come back, we're going to transition it to the NBA and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Also, we'll get a quick hockey and Columbus Blue Jackets update from Dan and Pat. All that and more, and we do it next on Sports Power Talk. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. It is Sports Power Talk live here from the University of Akron. My name is Jake Murrin. I'm the host of your show today, and I'm joined by Pat Weber. Donovan Mitchell is him. That he is. And for his last show up here at WZIP Sports, it is Dan Groen. I second that, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that very shortly. Before we get into the Cleveland Cavaliers, though, I want to talk about some of the NBA awards and the new designs and names for these awards. We'll start with the biggest award of them all being the now known as the Michael Jordan Trophy awarded to the NBA MVP. Of course, Michael Jordan is a five-time NBA MVP. The design is supposed to symbolize a player's journey to an MVP. The design also has some extensive details relating to Michael Jordan. Overall thoughts on not only the design, but the name of the Michael Jordan trophy. I love it. And all I have to say is, you know, you don't see LeBron's name on that trophy. So is he really the GOAT? LeBron's still active. But But is he the GOAT? You know, I don't see a trophy named after him now. He's active, so well, I'm just saying. Listen, you're you're not wrong. Saying. You're not wrong, but you are wrong at the same time. <laughs> uh, no, but I honestly, I love this trophy. I mean, even though I think LeBron's going to go down as the goat, that's not part of the discussion here. But I just love like all the little details about it. The six sided nameplate for the six rings. You got you know the five sided base that it sits on for his MVPs for his five MVPs. Um, the twenty three point faceted crystal ball which is a nod to his jersey number of course there's just so many little intricate details and it still looks just absolutely phenomenal i think it's one of the best trophies in all of sports if i'm being honest interesting bold take there from dan i don't think it's that great but i do think it's a step up from the old mvp award and in terms of it being called the michael jordan trophy i don't really have a problem there with that either let's move on to the clutch player of the year award this one named after jerry west so the jerry west trophy is going to be awarded to the nba clutch player of the year west had the nickname mr clutch and he is a 14-time nba all-star all-star the uh, trophy features a classic jump shot pose imitating west's form any thoughts on that trophy guys Again, I still love it. I I think these awards are very. I think they're coming up with better ideas for them. You know, yeah. bring a freshness to them. So I'm I'm a huge fan of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. I haven't seen the actual trophy itself, but it's definitely time that 
there's there's more awards for that kind of stuff. Like most clutch player, like you could, you know, like Kyrie Irving probably could have won that in his time here. I don't want to interrupt, but I have been keeping an eye on the World Cup. So for any of you who don't yeah, know, the World do. Cup final right. is going on right now. Let's see. And it is a goal for France. France has wow. cut into the lead 2-1 off of a penalty kick from Kylian Mbappe. Argentina has led 2-0 up until this point in a late penalty. I don't know if that could cost them or not. It might. We'll see. We'll have to wait and see. No team has no team that had been leading at halftime of the World Cup has lost in the World Cup since 1930. Wow. And, of course, that team in 1930 that lost after leading in the first half, it was Argentina. Mm. So it, this we'll this see. just got very this just got very intriguing. It went yeah. from Argentina firing on all cylinders to now France is starting to bite back a little bit. You know, I'm not a big soccer fan, but this World Cup has it seemed to be like very exciting. I mean, you it's guys help keep me like updated on it, and it just seems like a very exciting one. Especially, you know, love the Messi versus Ronaldo debates and. I just hope that Messi can finally win the World Cup. As do I. I mean, he deserves it. I think out of anybody in this World Cup, he deserves it. Like everybody on France, they experienced this win four years ago. Almost everybody on their team came back for this mm-hmm. World Cup. So I just want to see Argentina win it. But, I mean, France is still pressing an attack right now. They're firing on all cylinders. We could see another goal. So I will, you know, I will let everybody know if another goal comes to be all right yeah 2-1 argentina over france in the world cup final pat how much time is left in the game there is 80 so we're at the 80th minute so there is oh and france has scored again oh wow. back-to-back unanswered goals by killian mbappe that oh, no. to tie the game at 2-2 argentina again leading two nothing at the half Finds themselves in a tie game well, that was with fast. at least 10 Jeez. minutes to spare. At least we'll have to see what the added time is. But France has bounced back in a way that I did not see this happening at all. When I saw them down 2 nothing, I thought it was done. But Kylian Mbappe has once again come in clutch for France. This is becoming electric. Like I said, there is at least 10 minutes left in the game. This is getting, this is getting good. Wow. This is incredible. As wow. we're getting ready to turn away from it, Kylian Mbappe history is, right now. Well, we really are. Please keep us updated, Pat. Feel free to interrupt Dan or I <laughs> for any World Cup final update. Some exciting stuff again. Argentina, France tied now two to two in the World Cup final. Let's move on to the other NBA trophies, though. The Hakeem Olajuwon Trophy awarded to the NBA Defensive Player of the Year. He's a two-time NBA Defensive Player of the Year and nine-time NBA All-Defensive Team selection. The trophy features a classic defensive stance. Thoughts on the name and design? I love it. Like I said, I've I've been loving all of the redesigns for the trophies, especially the names of them. You know, putting these NBA greats on there so they can be, you know, remembered till the end of time. I really love it. Yeah, I agree. I think, again, I haven't seen all these trophies, like, in person, but it's definitely good to give a nod to some of those all-time greats. And it's something that I wish the the NHL, I always tie things back to the NHL. So if you hate hockey, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. Um, But I think that's what something that the NHL needs to do better. They have a lot of, you know, trophies named after players and coaches who played, you know, back in the 20s. So I don't think that we should necessarily like ignore them but 
I mean, when are we going to have like a, a Wayne Gretzky trophy or a Bobby Orr trophy or a? It, it should be you coming know? soon enough, you would imagine, um, especially yeah. with you know players like you know we kind of touched on our podcast like Ovechkin that are coming up very quickly mm-hmm. out of nowhere. You know, why are why don't we have trophies named after these guys? Yeah, I think the most recent one I think is probably Rocket Richard. I would agree the on that. Richard yeah. trophy. So I think they need to update them. You know, with time. Three more NBA trophies to get to. First, the Wilt Chamberlain Trophy awarded to the NBA Rookie of the Year. Chamberlain averaged 37.6 points per game and 27 rebounds per game as a rookie, won the Rookie of the Year and the MVP award in that season. The trophy features a player palming two balls at once. This is one design that I don't really understand, but I think the Wilt Chamberlain name to the trophy makes sense. What do you guys think? So the the reason they have him palming two balls in one hand is because he actually did that. When he, uh, I believe, when he played his one season with the Harlem Globetrotters, that was one of his selling points. So I, I believe that's why they ended up doing that. Um, but I'm a huge, huge fan of that. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I, I honestly don't have much to add. I think it's awesome that they're. I, I like it. That. I, I am a very, very big fan of the trophy. Like I said, I like all of these. I like that they're you know kind of refreshing these because it's about time that you know on a lot of the sports you know you get your trophies refreshed just a little bit you know. I, I think it's a beautiful way, especially when, you know, going down the road, people, you know, you might not know who Jerry West is. Well, you, there's still an award named after him. Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame, but, you know, think about all the, you know, Hall of Famers out there that, you know, they're in the Hall of Fame, but you might not know who they are. So I think this is a very, very good way to, you know, kind of keep them memorized throughout all of history for everything that they've done. Yeah, I just think from a distance, the palming the two balls doesn't look that great inside of the trophy. But two more to go. The John Havlicek Trophy awarded to the NBA Sixth Man of the Year. And the George Mikan Trophy awarded to the NBA Most Improved Player. Uh, don't want to sound like a broken record. We know the designs look good. But any thoughts on those last two names before we move on to the cast? Very well deserved. I mean, John Havlicek, one of the greatest sixth men of all time. Of all time. Not even just... Of his era, of all time, when you think six man, you his name is always in that contention, along with mm-hmm. you know names such as Lou Will, Jamal Crawford. Um, but like I said, this is absolutely incredible there. And then George Mikan, what a way to keep one of the greatest centers of all time still, uh, you know, keep his name fresh, keep it in your mind because he is he's one of the greatest to ever play the game of basketball, and you can't take that away from him. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't have a whole lot more to add. You touched on pretty much everything that. I had in mind, I think it's well-deserving for all these guys, and it's nice to see them getting a nod because you don't really hear much of these guys' names anymore. It seems you to really be, don't, and you know, like 70s and on, you know, and it's uh, it's something I've never understood in sports, why it seems like everything like 60s and before seems to be just completely ignored. I completely agree. And completely off topic, touching a little bit back on the World Cup. No scores happened, but when we were saying we're watching history, we really are because Kylian Mbappe is now the fifth player ever to score two or more goals in the World Cup final. He has joined his name amongst the greats, including, everybody knows this man, Pele. He has now enshrined his name amongst the greatest soccer players of all time. So I just think that was a really cool thing. You know, not only are we watching history with this incredible run that France has managed to put together in the last seven minutes, but, you know, Mbappe just enshrined his name amongst one of the greatest players of all time. I'm curious to see if there's a stat out there as to how quick those goals were scored. Like, if there have been back-to-back goals scored by the same player like that in... World Cup final history. I'm, I'm sure they'll show the stats there uh, very quickly, but I did I did note that when I saw that come down. I was like, oh, I didn't know that that was the case, but I mean, it's just really incredible what we're watching right now. We are coming up. There are four minutes at least left 
of regular time. We will have to see what the added time is. I'm predicting probably about eight minutes. There has been a lot of stoppage here in the second half. Um, but we'll have to wait and see because it's going to go down to penalty kicks and I, what I think. And, you know, at that point, I don't know. It's, it's, this turned out to be a really good game from what went from an absolute blowout to all of a sudden this could go down as one of the greatest World Cup finals games of all time. Yeah. yeah. An insane scene in the World Cup final between Argentina and France. We'll keep you updated on that. And another game I promise to keep you all updated on is the Akron Zips women's basketball team against Stetson. They are in halftime right now in Akron leading 28-23 to after they outscored Stetson 18-7 to in the second quarter. So good things happening for the women's basketball team here at the University of Akron. Let's stick with basketball, but let's go back to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I want to talk about their win on Friday night against the Indiana Pacers as they won 118 to 112. It feels like they were, it felt like they were consistently down, you know, five to 10 points until Mm -hmm. outscoring the Pacers 35 to 18 in the fourth quarter, much in part due to Donovan Mitchell's performance in that game. I'll leave it there though. I want you guys to talk about this game. What'd you think about the Pacers and the win for the Cavs on Friday night. Not only just Donovan Mitchell, who, like you said, 41 points. This man is, he's really something incredible, what we're watching here um, on the Cavs. But I think Harris LeVert did a very good job playing his role coming off the bench. I mean, he only scored 12 points, but, you know, you take that in consideration where we had started Lamar Stevens and he didn't record, he recorded one assist. I think it's his only offensive stat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having Karis LeVert in there, you know, he contributed in a big way. Uh, Shetty Osman, 14 points off the bench as well. Again, another huge contributor in there. Um, Darius Garland, you know, you can't you can't never talk about him. 20 points, yeah. another really good performance from him. And Evan Mobley, you know, one rebound away from that double-double, 16 points. Overall, when we hit that stride in the third, there was no looking back, really, um, for the Cavs at that point. You know, once you got everybody on fire, once Donovan Mitchell decided, you know, I'm going to take over the game, like he, uh, you know, he seems to do it almost every night. You know, the minute he takes over the game is the minute, you know, the Cavs are going to win. And at that moment, he decided he wanted to take over. And it was at that moment the Cavs knew they were going to win. Yep. And that's why Donovan Mitchell is, should be in the mix for MVP. I mean, another 40 point game for him. You know, even points aside, he just seems to know how and when to put the team on his back, become that clutch player, and help lead the Cavs to a win, no matter how much they're down by. They remind me so much of the Guardians from this last season with, you know, no matter how much you're down by, you just know that you're always still in it. And that's mostly because of Donovan Mitchell. That's not to say that we haven't had good production throughout the rest of the team. Um, Obviously, you want to see a little more from your bench. You want to see more... Uh, consistency from guys like Karis LeVert. Um, but as far as like just how this team's been playing, not only against the Pacers, but also against the Mavericks, against uh, almost against the Spurs from uh, earlier this week, uh, it, they're just always in it. And that's something that the Cavs do better than almost anyone else in the league. They just know how to, you know, fight adversity and come back. And that's why they're sitting at, you know, where they are right now with some of the most wins in the entire league. I think it's blasphemous that Donovan Mitchell is not in the MVP race right now. I think it's absolutely blasphemous. Yeah. Because right now they have uh, Embiid, I believe it's Embiid, Jokic, and Giannis. So the same three that we see almost every single year. But like I said, it's it's blasphemous that Donovan Mitchell isn't in that talk. He was at the beginning of the season. I don't know why he ever dropped out. Um it's unreal. He's he's playing on another level well, right now. Anyone who doesn't have him in at least their top ten, they it's haven't wrong. watched much basketball. They, they are wrong, and they're living nine years ago when he literally was probably still in high school. Yeah. 
Well said, guys. I do like that analogy between the Guardians and the Cavs, knowing that the Cavs are really not out of a game, even if they are losing, because you know you have Donovan Mitchell on the floor, 41 points, 18 points in the fourth quarter against the Pacers there. Uh, that was a great win on Friday night. We also picked up wins against the Mavericks, both on Wednesday night and last night in a 100-99 to win in overtime. A lot going on in that game with Luka Doncic, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Dwight Powell uh, out for the Mavs. Still took the Cavs a lot to pick up that win, though. Looking ahead to this upcoming week now, the Cavs are 20-11 and and still third in the Eastern Conference. We play the Jazz tomorrow night at home. They are eighth in the Western Conference, but of course, we're welcoming back Lowry Markkinen, Jordan Clarkson, and Colin Sexton. And of course, you know, Donovan Mitchell against the Jazz as well. Then we host the Bucks on Wednesday and the Raptors on Friday. Both teams we have two losses to this season. You'd love to get some wins there as well. What do you what do you guys think of those three games for the Cavs and an ultimate record prediction for this homestand? I'm gonna be honest. I only see us getting one win in these next three, and I I'm gonna surprise a lot of people when I say this, but I think that win's gonna come against the Bucks. Just because mm-hmm. it seems when we play teams that we're not supposed to beat, we play on another level, and that's when Donovan Mitchell really shows this MVP caliber player that he is. Um, but I think we'll drop the game to the Jazz ultimately, and I think we'll also drop the game to the Raptors. Um, I don't like saying that, but you know, uh, against teams that you know we're supposed to win, we it, it almost seems like we play a little bit more relaxed in some of those games, and I think that both of these teams you cannot play relaxed against at all. Yeah. Um, so I, I just see us dropping both of those games, but we'll at least pick up one win um, in this week. So that'll still keep us uh, at least in third, um, you know, maybe drop to fourth in the East. But that's still nothing to be ashamed about, you know, at this point in the season. Yeah, I I just don't see us losing to Toronto, quite honestly. They lost their last four games. Uh, they sit at 13 and 16 in the standings, which is last in their division. Um, so I think that this is a t- uh a team that we really should win, and I think that we will, especially after a, the, uh, playing the Bucks. I think that the Bucks is going to be the game that they end up dropping. I can see this being winnable, too, as we're only one uh, win behind them. Um, but I think that we'll take care of the Jazz. I think that's probably going to be the most interesting game out of everything, uh, out of all these games coming up. So I think over the next three games, I think I think we walk away with two wins. Yeah, I agree with you, Dan. I think we beat the Jazz and the Raptors, and then we'd fall to the Bucks. I mentioned the Bucks have beat us twice this year, and they've beat us both by 15 points in each of those games. I do like the Jazz matchup. There's a lot of storylines going into that game tomorrow night. And then against the Raptors, you mentioned it, Dan. They have lost four in a row. I know they have recently beat us 188, but I do like the matchup against the Raptors. Hopefully Donovan Mitchell uh, can you know put this team on his back again, especially late in the game, and pick up two of those three games this week for a win. And guys, I'll throw it over to you for a couple of minutes to end this segment hockey nhl give me all the nhl headlines and any columbus blue jackets updates i know it's been kind of a miserable season from what i hear but but let the listeners know what's going on so first of all when it comes to the blue jackets just just pain there's no other way to put it yeah i mean back to not even back to back three games in a row where we've given up four goals and we still lose four games in a row um uh, oh, wait, no, no, it was no, only no, three. No. I was like, we just beat the Kings in overtime, which, yeah. by the way, that was a phenomenal win. Um, yeah, but, was. yeah, it's it's just it's rough, man. It, and we play the Stars tomorrow. That's another loss. This season as a whole for the Jackets, you know, we kind of touched on it in the podcast. It's been 
it's been it's been embarrassing. Yeah. Quite honestly, we have one of the best rosters on paper that you can possibly put together, at least offensively. Uh, sure. Yeah, and and yet we find ourselves in last. Now, you know, like we kind of touched on. It is a lot from the injuries mm-hmm. that have been sustained. Uh, we essentially defense, got an AHL defense playing against Stanley Cup teams over the last. Yeah, and week. and it's really, it's just not enjoyable. Not to mention our our goaltending has been subpar. But it all comes back to the coaching um, because Brad Larson simply he just doesn't know what he's doing. Um, you know, in in interviews where uh, reporters were asking Patrick Lyon and Johnny Gaudreau, you know, all of our big big stars, you know. Um, you guys, you know, you are supposed to be a little bit better than this. You know what? You know what's kind of going on, and they all say the same type of thing. You know, our coach does not know what he's doing. We don't know what we're doing at practice, so we're not getting the reps that we need. And it's just embarrassing that he's mm-hmm. still the head coach of our team. I don't understand it. I, I really don't. And any other team, if your star players are speaking about how bad your coaches are, and you're holding multiple players only meetings to discuss things about the coaching staff. He would no longer be the head coach of that team. Yeah, and yet he still is for us. I just don't understand it. Um, but yeah, like it, it's just been really rough. I do think we did play pretty well against the uh, Bruins. You know, even though we did lose that game four two, um, I think that game was played a lot better. It was one of the better games we played this season, despite the loss. I mean, the Bruins are the number one team in the NHL right now. Yeah, easily. They they're probably going to win the Stanley Cup this year if I had to cast my bets early, unless they win the uh, the President's Trophy. Unless they do that, screwed. because if they do that, that is the curse, the yes. President's Trophy curse. But um, just like across the board, it's just been kind of a frustrating season, I think, for the Jackets. But the way that I think Jackets fans should look at it is, yes, we're doing very bad this year, but we're still not out of our rebuild quite yet. We have right. at least one more season where we're in this rebuild. People did not, they didn't know what to do with them. And also it was Brad Larson's first you know, tenure as a head coach, at least halfway through the season. So people didn't know what to expect from him. Yeah. Um, and it, it's kind of a similar thing, you know, when you go in your sophomore slump, you know, you don't know what to expect from a lot of these players. And I think this year, once they finally sat down and they've got all the tape, they see, you know, what schemes Larson runs. He hasn't changed any of it up like a good coach should do. Um, but I think it's just a little slump here. Uh, I don't want to see Brad Larson as our head coach anymore because it, it's just, it's getting embarrassing. Mm-hmm. That's point with what he's been doing. Um, but overall, I think in the future, you know, expect great things from this team. Yeah, I just don't think that Brad Larson gets fired at this point in the season. If he was going to be fired, he already would have been, I think. After after that trip to Finland, I think he would have been gone if they had any plans to. He, he should have been gone after that trip to Finland. Yeah. I mean, it was it was embarrassing. We I think we lost both games. I think we only scored a combined total of, what, two or three goals, and we gave up, I want to say, 10 or 11 Mm-hmm. And that's overseas. And that, that's embarrassing. I mean, this this and season Patrick is Patrick Wine's hometown too. So. Yeah, it, it's just been it's been rough this this season. Um, but we'll, we'll bounce back out of it. Yeah, um, there's a lot of good things to look forward to for this team coming into the future. Um, I love seeing that Sillinger, Kent Johnson, Kirill Marchenko line. I think they're going to be a huge, very productive line down the road. And also, we got to take into account that again, going back to our defense, they're very thin. They're very injured. Uh, they're very young. I think that once we see David Yerchek come in, uh, is there uh, is there an update there? There, there might be an update incoming. Argentina is making the run of a lifetime right now. They're yeah. making the run of a lifetime. It's going to Messi. Still that nothing with the yet. Play by play. They're, they're they're just kind of bouncing it back and forth in between. And that is the end of regulation. It wow. is still tied two two. That at the end there, I, I apologize for my reaction there, but they had played an absolutely 
beautiful through ball to get it to Lionel Messi at the very end there. And <laughs> he had nobody to beat. He, there was nobody in front of him. But again, Fr- uh, France's defense uh, just stepped up big there. So we will be going into penalty kicks, I believe. I, I don't remember I if they do extra time kicks. in this or not. This could be a whole other segment. I don't even know. It, it could be. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep you updated with uh, more World Cup things. But it, at the end of regulation, it is still tied to like deciding after, a Stanley Cup by a shootout. You can't do that. Uh, it, re- it really is. I mean, I, I assume they'll do an extra, like, um, I think they'll do, like, a little overtime type thing, and then they'll probably go into penalty kicks. At least that's what I would like to see, because you can't end the game like this on penalty kicks. No. Yeah, we'll keep you updated on that next segment. Real quick, guys, any NHL headlines that people should know about? Uh, well, the great eight, Alex Ovechkin, he hit the 800 mark uh, as far as goals go. He is one goal away from tying Gordie Howe for second all-time in goals. Um, just an incredible run by Ovechkin. Whether you like him or not, you have to respect him and the hit, the history that we're witnessing right now in the NHL. Especially with a player like him where he is just so he's so old, and yet he plays like he just got drafted. Like he, he's yeah. fresh out of, you know, he plays like a rookie still. And it's really incredible. He's playing some of the best hockey he's ever played in his career this season. So yeah. I expect to see him break Gordie Howe's record. And I mean... You can't slow down Olvi. He's just really mm. different. <laughs> I don't think I don't think anyone's going to surpass Wayne Gretzky as the greatest of all time, but you can definitely argue that Ovechkin is going to go down as the greatest scorer, the greatest goal Easily. scorer of all time. Well, there you go. Those are the updates around the NHL and the Columbus Blue Jackets. If you're looking for more hockey content, don't forget SPT Overtime, wherever you get your podcasts, is available for you to check out what's going on in the NHL as a whole. That'll do it for this segment. We still have a lot planned for the last hour of today's show. We have sports and NFL Jeopardy. Dan will say farewell to WZIP Sports in about half an hour. But before that, when we come back from break, we have a Browns-Ravens game to dissect. We'll also talk about other NFL games, do NFL pick'ems. All that and more next on Sports Power Talk. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is Sports Power Talk on WZIP. My name is Jake Murn, the host of your show today, and I'm joined by two great analysts. First, he is Pat Weber. I'm going to say something that's going to make you mad, but I have to do it because we are entering NFL. NFL, So uh, go go Steelers, baby. Go Steelers. Good job there, Pat. And second... (laughs) The analyst that is leaving the show after today, leaving WZIP, it is Dan Groen. Good afternoon, everyone. We'll get into your farewell in just about 23 to 30 minutes. We'll see how that goes. And also Sports Jeopardy will be hosted by Dan. Always fun when we do Jeopardy here on Sports Power Talk. But Pat, give us a little update on the World Cup, figuring some things out after regulation. Absolutely. So uh, for those of you who are just tuning in and might not have been watching the World Cup, um, France had an absolutely electric final, about 15 minutes with Kylian Mbappe netting two goals to tie the game at 2-2. Two to two. Now it is an extra time, and the way that this extra time will work is that there are going to be two 15-minute periods at least of extra time. If the game is still tied at the end of those two extra periods, then it will go into a shootout, and I think everybody kind of knows how a shootout works, so I won't get too much into it. It's just penalty kicks. Um but yeah, I mean, this game has been incredible. I'm glad that they did the extra time in this one because, I mean, up until the final 15 minutes of that game, it was Argentina that was going to be bringing home the trophy. Then all of a sudden, Kylian Mbappe in France, they won it back. And this game is going incredible right now. Argentina is making a very, very good run. 
Um, but I'll keep everybody updated with scores and, you know, at the end of the extra time periods if it has not already been decided. Yes, please do. And another game that we promise to keep you all updated on is the Akron Zips women's basketball game against Stetson. Right now, about 5.51 left in the third quarter. Akron leads Stetson 38-25, to so they're pulling ahead of Stetson as we speak. But let's get into the Browns. Let's get into the NFL. Let's talk about the Week 15 matchup between the Browns and Ravens. A lot of notable performances to talk about, but I think mm-hmm. no more notable performance than Deshaun Watson and his hometown debut. Or not hometown, but his home debut in Cleveland for the Cleveland Browns. He went 18 for 28. 161 yards with a touchdown. Honestly, I think we can all agree that he looked the best he has all season. Kind of looked like his old self a little bit with that touchdown drive in the third quarter. 12 plays, 91 yards. I want to get your guys' thoughts on the game and really Deshaun Watson's performance. This game was your typical AFC hard-nosed, just defensive war zone of a game. I mean, 13-3 the final score. Such a low-scoring game. Um, Deshaun Watson, you know, I still don't like the guy, um, but he did play very well. He was very impressive um, at times. Um, for the Ravens, I mean, they struggled greatly. I mean, it, it's really showing when they don't have Lamar Jackson, you know, how much of a difference one player really can make for a team because they couldn't get anything going on offense at all. Um, but not to mention, I think the Browns' special teams was simply phenomenal. I mean, they made Justin Tucker miss two field goals for the first time in his career since, I think it was 2017, that he had missed. And then uh, yeah. when he missed that short one from within 50, that was his first miss within or from 50 yards or closer eh, since 2018. So the special teams unit for the Browns was just really incredible. I mean, the blocked field goal, everything, they were just disruptive, couldn't get Justin Tucker going, and ultimately took away a large portion of the points that I think the Ravens would have had, you know, had the special teams not stepped up so uh, so well. Um, but it was a very, very impressive performance across the board for the Browns, and I'm actually a big fan of how this game turned out because with the Ravens' loss, Bengals moving into first, it still keeps the Pittsburgh Steelers' playoff hopes alive. <laughs> We don't have. Are we going to play that game? We don't have a whole lot going for us. So I'll take you know each week that we're not eliminated, I'll I'll take it. So this is one more week that you know we're not eliminated. So I'll I'll take it with what we can right now. Yeah, I agree with everything Fair you enough. had to say about special teams, but you do hate to see Cade York miss back to back field goals in the fourth quarter. Uh, that really would have made that comeback for the Ravens seem unlikely as time goes on. Thank goodness we were able to hold on to that thirteen to three lead for the win. Uh, Dan, any takeaways? Yeah, I mean, it seemed like Joe Woods and Mike Prefer, it's almost as if they want to keep their jobs. (laughs) Uh, But honestly, I was very impressed with how Watson played. Honestly, I'm surprised that his stat line wasn't better because it just seemed like he had full command of that game. He, you know, he's still a little ways off of his, you know, prime self that he was in in Houston. But he is showing major improvement with every week. You know, he looked very bad the first week. He looked okay the next week, and now he's starting to look like his old self again. Um, And he just seems to have that command. He just seems to know exactly where to place the ball long, mid-range. And it just seems like he's got that command that we didn't see a whole lot out of Baker Mayfield and Jacoby Brissett. Um, But as far as our defense goes, I was very impressed with really our entire secondary, especially our corners. Um, I was not a fan of the pass interference that was called on Martin Emerson. I thought he did an amazing job at covering. I want to say it was Duvernay. Uh, but Ward played lights out. He had that pick. 
Um, I'm not sure if he had that block on Tucker, but he was very close to if he didn't. And Greg Newsom, he was making plays all over the field as well. So I was very happy with how our corners played. Uh, John Johnson was all over mm-hmm. the field as well. I've been very critical of him all season. I thought he was always very overrated. Um in his time here in Cleveland, I love when we signed him. He hasn't quite lived up to that hype that we were expecting out of him, but he did look a lot better in this game as well. Uh, so those are the things I took away from that game. Uh, you still want to see more from the offensive line. It just seems like ever since Ethan's, Ethan Posick went out and Hilte Froholt came in to be the center, it just seems like everything has gone downhill since then. Um, but as far as how everyone else played, I was very impressed with really the effort all along. And it's it's just like why... Haven't we seen this all season? Yeah, I agree with that breakdown. And even John Johnson, I've been doubting him all season long as well. I think it's more of an effort thing with John Johnson. You saw that fourth down stop in the red zone that John Johnson had. I mean, incredible stuff there. Uh, And really, it was just a great performance by the Cleveland Browns. And like you said, Mike Prefer and Joe Woods must want to keep their job, which is something that we have not seen all season long. Looking ahead, though, guys, I want to ask you this question. What else do the Browns really have to play for this season? I know playoff hopes are pretty slim to none right now. Mm -hmm. So what should the Browns really be looking forward to and really looking to build potentially for for next year? I always try to finish with an even record, I think, is, is the end season goal well, for either 8 and 9 or point. 9 and 8 now. Yep. So or at least around there. Finish around 500 okay. if you can. Uh you know, that I think that's the I think that's the end game goal for the yeah. Browns at this point. You know, you came into the season without the quarterback that you had paid a quarter of a billion dollars to. Um so you weren't expected to be great to start the season, so I just think for the Browns, you know, look to finish the season strong um and gear up for next season because I think uh the AFC North is going to be Instead of this season where they were not as competitive um, as they normally are in you know, seasons past, I think that next season will be one of the best seasons for the AFC North in terms of the raw talent that each team has. So I would just say look forward to next season and gear up and be ready. Yep, I would agree. As long as my goal at the end of the day is to win out, finish 9-8. and eight. I have no hopes for the playoffs, and I absolutely love the people on Twitter who waste their time and energy on, you know, creating all these scenarios. Oh, if the Raiders win this game, and if, you know, the Dolphins win this game, and if Jupiter stops and orbits around the sun the opposite direction and all the stars <laughs> align, then we have a 50-50 shot of making the playoffs. I, I, I just don't like having that mindset because we face enough disappointment week in and week out. I'm not going to expect them to suddenly miraculously sneak into the playoffs. I just don't think it happens at all, even if they went out. But no matter what, you hope to finish the season with a winning record. And if anything, they need to treat these last three games as if they're 2023 preseason games because they have nothing to lose. Kevin Stefanski has been overly conservative with his play calling, which is you know crazy to think because he seemed like such a creative aggressive play caller back in 2020 and we're just not sure what happened to that and so you hope that we could see a little bit more creativity with our game uh with our passing game with our run game with pretty much everything you just got to treat this again as a preseason game so then what come next season you're firing on all cylinders and not waiting until halfway through the season before everything starts to click so that's my takeaway from for the remainder of the season yeah, I agree with you, and I think these last couple games are really all about pride and building a connection between Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. because we put all the marbles in the table on Deshaun Watson. If it doesn't work 
for Deshaun Watson, blame is going to go elsewhere. It's going to go towards Kevin Stefanski. So Deshaun Watson is going to get the head coach that he wants. I'm hoping that's Kevin Stefanski, and that connection has yet to be seen truly yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And hopefully these last couple of games really proves that Kevin Stefanski can make it work with Deshaun Watson and making him look better each and every single game. Uh, Let's get to Around the Rue, though, with this Browns team, where we debate around the table and bring it to you via our Twitter page, at WZIP Sports. You know that we like to have Around the Rue questions based on, you know, colors, designs, uh, jerseys, things like that. So same thing this week. What color face mask is the best for the Cleveland Browns? Of course, a lot was made this week with the white face mask. So we have three options, gray, white, Brown, what is the best color face mask for the Cleveland Browns? It has to be the white face masks. Like I'm not even a Browns fan, but you know, seeing the white face mask, it just look it makes the helmet look so much cleaner, mm. so much crisper. Um, in my opinion, I don't know why the Browns ever had another color face mask. I just think the white just works so well. Um, I'm happy with the white face masks on that one. You know, we should go back to the single bar gray face mask that <laughs> Cleveland Browns legend Scott Player wore. Uh, with that Fu Manchu mustache. <laughs> but um, in all seriousness, I love the white face mask. At first, I was like, I don't know. I kind of like the brown ones. I, I think they fit very well. But after seeing them on the field, seeing them bringing back that classic look, I absolutely love it. Paying homage to the Cardiac Kids and really all those 80s teams uh, back when they were watchable. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 to me, and this is the take that a lot of people had, we don't care what the face mask looks like. I mean, I do. I think they look great in white, but at the end of the day, it's about winning games. And I mean, not to, and I don't mean to sound like that guy, but like, you know, that they brought these white face masks out at the end of the season to distract from how abysmal the season is. It's, you know, it's one thing to have this losing season because of a, because of terrible quarterback play that we would have expected out of Jacoby Brissett, but he has been playing lights out all season. And the thing that's been killing us is our defense. And that's just been the frustrating part of the season. And it seems like now that we got nothing to lose, it seems like they're all of a sudden like, hey, check out these face masks. They might be our permanent ones. So it's really no coincidence. I'm not a huge like conspiracy theory kind of guy, but it's pretty obvious that that's what they were going for. Um, but nonetheless, I hope that those are our permanent face masks and that we see some success with them like we have in years past. Yeah, I agree with everything you had to say there. In terms of the look of the face mask, I personally really like the brown, and I agree with you, Dan. When I first saw like the white face mask coming back on social media, I wasn't necessarily a fan of it, and then seeing it on the field yesterday against the Ravens, absolutely white has to be my answer. I mean, it, it just pops so well, mm-hmm. and it makes the brown and orange just look so good with that white face mask. We want to hear from you, though. We want to know what you think. I don't think any votes are going to go to gray, but it wouldn't surprise me, I guess. Uh, white or brown or gray, what is the best face mask for the Cleveland Browns? You can go vote in that poll. It is active right now on our Twitter page, at WZIP Sports. We want to hear from you for that. Let's move on, though. Let's talk about some other games in the NFL. Thursday night and the other two games that happened yesterday in the Saturday slate of games, the 49ers Seahawks, Colts Vikings, Dolphins, and Bills. I asked all of us to come up with three notable takeaways from these games. The three can be all for one game. You can have mixed it up any way you would have liked. So, Dan, I'll go to you first. What takeaways do you have for these three games? Well, the first one I have is one that I think the entire nation has, and that is Brock Purdy 
is him. Brock Purdy is him. Maybe we were wrong about Davis Mills. Yes. But I don't know if we're going to be wrong about Brock what Davis Purdy. Mills, he is what I wanted Davis Mills to be. But you know what? Davis Mills, he was like a second, third round pick. Brock yeah. Purdy is mystery irrelevant. He's Mr. Irrelevant, and he is arguably, he's one of the best young quarterbacks in the league right now, I would argue to say. In his short sample size, I'd say so. I mean, obviously we have a, he has a lot to prove, but I mean, being mystery irrelevant and coming out with this sort of success, you know, blowing out blowing out Tom Brady, having that big win, um, you know, this last week, he's he's very impressive. It, it begs the question, though, do the 49ers still want to have Trey Lance as their number one guy if Brock Purdy is playing so well? That's the thing. It's like we've been it seems like we've been waiting for Trey Lance for so long and Brock Purdy comes out of nowhere and is looking like a legitimate you know, successful quarterback. So that's really some question that they're going to have to answer. And, you know, the, obviously the future with Jimmy G is in question. They seem to want to hold on to him for another year, but that those plans might have changed with Brock Purdy. Um, any updates Absolutely. there on the World Cup? Um, I saw you. Kinda... I, yeah, no, my reaction was uh, Messi had a beautiful shot attempt on goal, but it was blocked by uh France defender. It was a beautiful defensive effort. It, realistically, if he did not get there, if he was there half a second later, that was a goal. That was back of the net for Argentina, but they will end up with a corner. We are nearing the end of the first 15 minutes of extra time. Still tied 2-2. Two to two. A lot of runs have been happening, so I expect to see some goals coming out pretty soon. All right, we'll keep you updated there on the World Cup. And one of my takeaways also was about Brock Purdy. Even with him, I think the 49ers are still a legit Super Bowl contender. He went 17 for 26 with 217 yards along with two touchdowns on Thursday night in the 21 to 13 win over the Seahawks. Let's talk about the Colts and Vikings game though. The 39 to 36 win for the Vikings in overtime. Of course, the biggest comeback in NFL history to win the NFC North for Minnesota. The Colts were up 33 to 0 at halftime. I turned this game off at halftime. I certainly wish I did not. (laughs) What did you guys think of this maddening game yesterday? Incredible. Uh, Matt Ryan continues to prove he is the choke artist of all choke artists. I don't think that's fair. As he has not only blown the largest lead in Super Bowl history uh, with, obviously everybody knows, the memes, Mm -hmm. um, but he has also just choked away the largest lead in NFL history. Um, Jeff Saturday's his coach, man. I, I know, but still, yeah. Whether, you, there has to be something there where you whether know, it's fair or not, he has gonna, been. On it's going to define his legacy. It, it really it is. will. It will. To me, if you if you give up a thirty three to zero lead, that's indicative of coaching. Yeah. Like, how do you make that happen? Jeff Saturday is not the answer. Of course, the critique was all there when he was hired as the interim coach of the Colts. But no, it, come on. What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> look, look at the percentage drop okay. on that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, just, I just think that is hilarious. Just Jeff Sat. I don't really blame Matt Ryan. Jeff Saturday. You're going into the second half. The Colts' mindset should be, hey, it's zero zero. Don't play like it's thirty three to zero, and that's what they did. And then they lose thirty nine to thirty six. They pulled an ultimate Joe Woods. Like even Joe Woods would have held on to that. You know. That huge comeback, but man, I—I I, I mean, I'm—I'm I'm looking at at the scoring through the first half, and I mean, field goal, block, punt, touchdown, a fumble, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, punt, interception, punt, end of half. It was a pick six? Too. End. Yep. 
end end of the half, I mean, the Vikings are getting manhandled. And then next thing you know, Kirko Chains <laughs> just randomly remembered, oh, hey, I'm kind of a decent quarterback. Let me just go and throw for 460 yards in this yeah. game. Let me just do that. And I, over 300 of those were in the second half. Like, yep. over alone. And KJ Osborne, I mean, 10 receptions, 157 yards. Yeah, I was just going to... My third takeaway was that he is, you know, one of the X factors for this offense. He really he is. doesn't perform at a consistent level, but when he's firing in all cylinders, I mean, look out. You have him. You have Justin Jefferson on the other side. If they both play up to their full potential. That is one of the deadliest wide-receiving duos in the entire It really league. is. They've been very impressive. The Vikings have been very impressive this season. Um, I mean... Especially with the moves they made at the deadline, too. Getting Hawkinson. I mean, come on. This yeah. team is electric to watch. And and I know that people probably think the Vikings aren't legit because Kirk Cousins is their quarterback. But can you imagine what they would be with Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson or Josh Allen? Or with anybody else, I mean, realistically, that is considered a top 10. Even top 15, because Kirk Cousins is just like your middle-of-the-pack quarterback. And he's yeah. still leading a team of this caliber to a very, very respectable record. I mean beating out the Packers, who have not lost their division since I can remember. It's mm-hmm. always been the Packers on top. Now, all of a sudden, the Vikings are taking over. It's incredible to watch. Yeah, they're 11-3 and for a reason. Kirk Cousins leading the, the, the group for the Vikings. And in a game yesterday, that might be a Game of the Year candidate for the NFL. Of course, the biggest comeback in NFL history. Uh, the last game in Saturday's slate of games, though, the Dolphins and the Bills, the snow game. We talked about the snowballs, but <laughs> let's talk about the actual players and performances of these players. Any quick takeaways for me on that? Josh Allen walks as God amongst mortal men after this game. <laughs> he is him. I mean... 2,540, yards and four touchdowns in the frigid Arctic temperatures and conditions that is Buffalo, New York. Josh Allen just continues to impress me year after year. He really is incredible, and I honestly want the Bills to win the Super Bowl. I think they've they've deserved this for so long. Yeah, and I think you know, especially after yesterday's game, the snow. The frigid temperatures, Josh Allen, like I said, he, he's just him. Best quarterback in the league right now. Yeah, I, I think, well, you could argue Patrick Mahomes is better. But, I mean, as far as MVP candidate goes, it's got to be, Josh Allen's got to be up there. He put on one of the best performances in, you know, in su- such harsh conditions out there. But, yeah, that Buffalo Bills team, I, I would be very disappointed if they don't at least make it to the Super Bowl. I think we could see a Vikings-Bills uh, Super Bowl as a possibility now. At, at now, this that point would the be season. fun. I mean, as a Packers supporter, I can't like the Vikings, but it seems like every year they're just such a fun team to watch, and this is the best that you've ever looked. I, I would be a big fan of it because I feel like in, in the Super Bowl, I'm always rooting against a certain team. But in that Super Bowl where... You know, both teams have struggled in the past like twenty years to see them finally get their break. I think that would be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And I, I feel like that'd be the first Super Bowl that I would watch in my lifetime that I wouldn't be, you know, just gonna be rooting for one team. Like I think I'd be caught in the middle there and I'd be happy yeah. with either outcome. Yeah. Yeah, and you have to think the Buffalo Bills, if they get home field advantage throughout the playoffs, are going to be a team to be reckoned with in the AFC. That'll do it for our breakdown of the NFL games that have already been played. Let's look ahead to the slate of games for today with our Week 15 NFL Pick'ems. We'll start with the 1 o'clock games. First, the Eagles on the road taking on the Bears. Who do you guys like and why? Give me the Birds, and it's pretty obvious why. The Birds are the best team in the NFL right now. Yep. One loss, I don't see how they lose to the Bears. As much as I love Justin Fields, it's not happening. 
Yeah, I agree with you guys there. Fly, Eagles, fly. Next game, the oh. Lions. What's up? Oh, Argentina has just scored a goal to put wow. them up 3-2 to two in the second period of extra time. Oh, I completely missed it. I was going back to double-check over some of my notes, and I, I, I go back and I see that they are up 3-2. to two. Now, it just remains to see if that goal will stand. Um, that's all. It's going to remain to see. They are going to be checking for offsides on this goal. But there is a chance that if there was no offsides, that Argentina has just sealed the game. There is that chance. So wow. it just remains to be seen. We are still waiting to see if offsides will be called. Oh my! Right, yeah, if if this goal stands, this could be this could be an incredible turn of events here in late, not just in extra time, but in late extra time as well. I mean, this could be something incredible. But we will have to wait and see if the goal will stand. I will keep you guys updated with that as it continues to unfold. Looks like it was Messi who got it. It does look that way, and now they They're are still, still celebrating. Waiting. It They're looks still like celebrating. It looks like the goal will stand. It's two goals for Messi, and in this if game. the goal stands, wow. which. It does. The goal stands. Lionel Messi has put Argentina up 3-2 to two in the second period of extra time. Argentina could have just won themselves the World Cup. But we will have to wait and see. There is still some time left. But, I mean, come on. Lionel Messi. Does that make the him goat. the GOAT? He, he's been the GOAT, in my opinion. Yeah. And a, lo- a lot of soccer fans, we consider him the GOAT. Yeah. I, I think, but this would just be it's the icing on the cake. i all my life, and again, I'm not even a soccer this, fan. This but. is just the icing on the cake to just simply the wonderful career and the legend that is Lionel Messi. Yeah, absolutely. Some insane teams right insane scenes right now from the World Cup final between Argentina and France. We'll keep France will keep you updated on that. But back to the NFL pickums. I was gonna say Lions at Jets. The Lions, they've turned one and six into six and seven. And the Jets, I know you're happy about this, Pat. They turn back to Zach Wilson. Go Jets. So um I'm going to take the Lions in this game though. Um yep. although the Jets they do hold a special place in my heart because uh, they are my second team, um, but I, I think the Lions have been playing very, very well recently where the Jets have hit a, a mid-season slump that they really couldn't afford to hit, um, and the Lions, they have they have kicked it off as of late, um, especially with the return of uh, Jameis Williams. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. They, they've been outstanding. I have to give it to the Lions in this one. Yep, Lions are hot. Jets are cold. I'm giving it to Detroit. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I like the Lions. Next up, your Steelers, Pat. Go on the road to take on my old love, the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> Listen, I'm the Steelers are going to lose this game. And the reason we're going to lose this game is because Mitchell Trubisky is starting. Now, I still like Mitchell Trubisky more than I like Kenny Pickett because I just still I don't like Kenny Pickett. But in terms of the play where Kenny Pickett had gone on a five-game streak where he had no turnovers after starting off with some of the most turnovers I've ever seen a young quarterback have, mm-hmm. Um and and to see Mitchell Trubisky, this veteran that we had brought in, you know, to kind of help coach Kenny Pickett up to being at least a serviceable quarterback, and he throws three interceptions and a loss to the Ravens. That we, sh- if we had Kenny Pickett that entire game, we would have won that game in in my mind. But I mean, the three interceptions is just simply embarrassing. Um, I and Mitchell Trubisky is starting again today as Kenny Pickett is still going through concussion protocol. So I, I just don't see this turning out good for the Steelers in, in any way because yeah. you can't have Mitchell Trubisky and expect to win games at this point, especially after three interceptions the past game. 
Yeah, the Panthers, they're still playing for a playoff spot, believe it or not. The NFC South is just abysmal, so I think they have a lot more to play for, and I think the Panthers are going to win at home. I actually like the Steelers on the road here. We'll see what the the Panthers bring to the table, but I just think the Steelers have been better lately than the Panthers. Next up, I mean, we can all say this at once. Chiefs-Texans. Chiefs. Chiefs. Yeah. Okay. Are you really going with the <laughs> no, only, okay. only if, only the Texans, if Davis Mills is starting. If Davis Mills is starting, it is not a no. landlock victory. Yeah. We all have the Chiefs winning that one. At, at this point, just bench your entire starters. Like, literally go get go get a high school team and just be like, all right, put on Chiefs jerseys and go play. Put Sycamore. <laughs> <laughs> no, at this point, go, go grab Coach Moorhead. Go grab the team and be like, hey, go play the Texans because we'd probably beat them at this point. I mean, the Texans are just bad, man. Yeah. So are the Akron Zips, though. Yeah, but I mean, we we ended up with more wins on the season so far than the Texans did. That makes us better. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, we scored against Tennessee, so that's something. We also scored against Ohio State first last year. You know, that, so. that uh, vase that we have in that other room, I shot a bucket from like 20 feet out and I made it. And I have not seen Steph Curry do that with that exact same vase. So exactly. who's the better shooter? Dan is just a better shooter than Steph Curry. It's a fact. <laughs> well, next up, Saints host Desmond Ritter for his NFL debut and the Falcons. Who do you guys like in that one? I'm liking the Falcons in this one. And it's because, you know, as of late, the Falcons are playing very, very well. And I think that Desmond Ritter's finally getting his time to shine, whereas the Saints... They've been subpar this year, but that's also mainly because of their quarterback play. You mm-hmm. can't really rely on Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton um, throughout your season. Um, so I, I do like the Falcons in this because they have been impressing me uh, slightly more this season than I thought they would. Yeah, as much as I like the Saints with Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry, i got to give it to the Falcons. It just seems like they have, I don't know, it, it, they just seem to be better. They just seem to be a little more hot. The Saints are just an absolute mess. I'm taking the Falcons. I'm going to go with the Saints. I think they have the, obviously they have the home field advantage here. The Falcons, I don't know if I can trust Desmond Ritter quite yet. I'll go with the Saints. Next up, Cowboys, Jaguars, quickly, gentlemen. Uh, give me the, give me them boys in this matchup. I just don't think the Jags have what it takes. No, it's, it's, it's going to the Cowboys. I'm picking the Jaguars here. Ooh. They're one of the most unpredictable teams in the NFL. They won last week when they weren't supposed to. I'll pick them this week. You know, the Cowboys barely got past the Texans. I'll take the Jags at home. That was a home. fluke. That was a fluke game. They did it without Davis Mills, so a, it was a fluke. 4.05 <laughs> p.m. slate of games. Cardinals at Broncos. This features Colt McCoy versus Brett Ripien. Jeez. Wow. What? Some of the worst coaching matchups that you could possibly see. I'm going to go with a tie. Yep. I'm saying okay. a tie game. A 6-6 six to six tie. You know, I could Actually, not 6-6. Six to six. It's going to be 2-2. Two to two. They're just going to get two safeties <laughs> the entire game. That's how it's going to go. I'm going to take the Broncos at home, but I like the tie enthusiasm. I'm, I'm taking the tie just because both teams are so bad that yeah. I can't right. pick one that would not be worse than the other. I think Cliff Kingsbury is going to accidentally win this one. All right. <laughs> Makes sense. Patriots at Raiders. Um, give give me the Patriots in this one. I, I I'll the Raiders the Raiders have been struggling recently. I'll take the Patriots as well. I'm also taking the Patriots. Four twenty five games are two of them. Titans at Chargers. Both teams seven and six. I like the Tennessee Titans in this game. I'm I'm taking the Chargers. They just seem to have a much more well rounded team, and I I don't know. I think the Titans are more one-dimensional, and I think that the Chargers should walk I've, away. I've just it. learned I never bet against Derrick Henry. So. I agree. I like the Chargers at home. Next up, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers host the surging Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't like the Bengals, but 
Who do they think gonna beat them Bengals? Nobody, because Tom Brady is washed up. Especially me, I'm not. I don't know. Give me washed up. Give me Joe Shiesty and the Bengals in this one. Joe Shiesty and the Cincinnati Bungles. Yep, I'm taking the Bengals as well. Unfortunately, I'm gonna take the Bengals. Sunday night football, NFC East rivalry, Giants on the road to Washington. Can this be another tie? Wait, they already tied earlier this season. Is that why? Yeah. They they did already tie, but can you imagine? Washington tied the Giants two weeks ago, then had a bye week, and now are playing the Giants again. I I like the commanders in this one. And also, we have an unfolding story in the World Cup. Penalty has been awarded to France. Killian Mbappe with a chance to tie the game and send it to penalty kicks and also to net a hat trick. Wow. Will he do it is the question. He's lining right. up to take his kick as we speak. Yeah, we'll keep you updated on that, though. One more prediction. I also like the Commanders if I did not say that. With the Browns game yesterday, we only have one pick this week that we'll track on our Twitter page, at WZIP Sports. It's Monday Night Football, Rams, Packers. Who do you like? Go, Pack, he, go. He has scored. Killian Mbappe has netted oh, the hat trick to tie the game at 3-3. Three to three. Four minutes left in extra time. This is going to go to penalty oh, kicks. Oh, my gosh. That was incredible. I, I looked up and I, I saw that they were arguing to say that this wasn't in the box. But, wow, incredible. Yeah. Monday Night Football, who do you guys like? Go, Pat, go. All right, fair enough. L, I'm taking Baker Bay, <laughs> Baker, Baker, touchdown maker. Baker Bayfield. Baker Bayfield. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking ba- Baker Mayfield as well. If he changes his number, I will buy a Rams jersey, everybody. <laughs> Just making that very clear. Uh, be transparent. I'm picking the Rams because of Baker Mayfield. The last time he played at Lambeau Field, didn't go his way. This time, we'll see what happens. I, I like the Rams on the road taking on the Packers. That'll do it for this segment, though. We're going to go to break. When we come back, NFL Jeopardy, Dan will host it. We'll also say farewell to Dan as he says farewell to WZIP Sports. All that and more coming up next on WZIP. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. Of course, it is Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron. My name is Jake Murren, the host of your show. I'm joined by Pat Weber. Good morning, Akron, or good afternoon, Akron, actually. And I am joined for the last time, I'm going to say this, it is Dan Groen. It's my last segment. Let's make it the best one. Let's make it the best one, and it should be one of the best ones because... You're going to host Jeopardy, Dan, as you have many times before, NFL Jeopardy. I mean, I have a disclaimer, and I have a spoiler. Disclaimer, (laughs) I'm terrible at sports trivia. Spoiler, Pat's going to end up winning. But anyways, you know, let's get to it, Never say never. Hey, never never say never. Right. Let's get to it, Dan, and... uh, yeah. All right. Say the categories so and all we that. got we only I only made four categories for time's sake. We got undrafted legends, Mac alumni, multi sport NFLers, and wait, they played there too. So uh that's pretty self explanatory. They I'll give you a, a player or a team and you have to guess the player or the team that they played for for a short period of time. So, Jake, I will actually start with you to give you somewhat of an advantage right here. I don't know if that <laughs> okay. makes a difference, but I need it. Between undrafted legends, Mac alumni, multi sport NFLers, and they played there too. Which one are you taking? I'm going to go Mac alumni for 100. All right. This Toledo alum led the NFL in rushing yards in his rookie season. Toledo? Anyone can answer this. Just raise your hand. Uh, more's going on with the World Cup, but this Toledo alumni read, led the NFL in rushing yards in his rookie season. I'll give you a hint. 
He is a Cleveland native. Cleveland native. Oof. Should throw Julian Edelman out there. It is uh, not. Julian Edelman went to Kent. Um, oh, I don't Can know. Can you who steal it would be. here? Oh, I don't know who it would be. It would be the running back for the Cleveland Browns, Kareem Hunt. Oh, I forgot he went to Toledo. When, when you said Toledo alum at first, my brain immediately went with Deontay Johnson. I actually did know that. But I, I forgot Kareem played uh, in t- uh, for Toledo. Yeah. That was a good one there. I didn't even know that. All right. Keep going. Uh, Pat. Jake, it is. Um, no one got that, so it'll still be yours. Okay. So you get to choose a category. Um, let's keep on doing Mac alum, just do 200. We'll just go down the list. Yeah. All right. This former Kent State quarterback is also a three-time Super Bowl champion and one-time Super Bowl MVP. Julian Edelman. That would be Julian Edelman. Jake takes the lead. Jake How takes about that? the lead. So. <laughs> 200 to zero? Okay. This will be the only lead I have this entire time. We'll I'm, see. This will be an honor system on thing. Along. I don't want to have to keep the score because I'm... I have so. the score. Okay. Yeah. Right, cool. <laughs> um, so, Jake, it'll be yours again. We're just going to keep going down the list. Right? Oh, yeah. 300. Let's go. All right. This Central right. Michigan alum started his NFL career as a return specialist and entered as a four-time All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler, and a Super Bowl champion. Antonio Brown. That would be Antonio Brown. Good job. See, th- see those are easy. <laughs> Some of them, they'll get trickier. All right. So, I'm just waiting until the Mac alum ends because then the, the knowledge 400. is 400. Yes, 400. <laughs> this Hall of Famer and key member of the Steel Curtain played his collegiate career also at Kent State. Oh, um. Pat, you should know this one. It's. I don't. Uh, it's Jack Lambert, isn't it? It is Jack Lambert. All right, I thought so. You have 400 points now. Um, and the last question, or actually, no, you get to choose. Do you want to keep going with this category? Yeah, let's, let's finish out Mac alum. Just for the one time. This 2014 first-round pick out of Buffalo is on his third NFL team, but is one of the best edge rushers of his time. Oh, um, uh, Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack is correct. Yeah. Pat takes the yes. lead now. I He's got 900. That. Jake, you have, what, 500? That I do. All right, that's okay. So now we got the other remaining categories here. We got multi-sport NFLers, undrafted legends, and wait, they played there too. Uh, let's do wait, they played there for 100. All right. Before becoming Beast Mode, Marshawn Lynch played his first three seasons with this team. Bills. Jake, you beat him to it. It is the Buffalo Bills. He did beat me to that. That was worth 100? That is worth 100 points. Okay. So let's just keep going down the list. Yeah, do 200. This Super Bowl champion and three-time MVP was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons and ended his career with a divisional rival. Atlanta Falcons ended drafted his by the Falcons ended his career with a divisional rival. Oh, um, Pat, do you have uh, this one? I I almost said Julio Jones, but I know that's not right. No. I'll give you a hint. That divisional rival was the Minnesota Vikings. So think of one of the rivals of the Vikings. Five. Yeah, I don't four, know. Three. Uh, is it Brett Favre? I don't know. Brett Favre is oh, correct. Hey. <laughs> he was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons and also 200. played with the Jets and I, I was the I was taking a reach there because I was I was going back and forth, but all right. Yeah. Uh, so you want to just keep going down the list? Yeah, go right. for it. Let's let's do it. This Hall of Fame wide receiver finished his career playing alongside Chad Ochocinco, but at forty nine years old, he's still playing in indoor leagues. Terrell Owens. T O is correct. <laughs> we, we I talked about that just before we, actually we uh, did. We went did. on air. <laughs> that was worth three hundred. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, this so is not looking good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just keep going. This Hall of Fame defensive back played for the Baltimore Ravens in his final two seasons, although it certainly was not his prime time. 
Mm. I, I, I hinted a major clue there. Hall of Fame defensive back, played for the Ravens in his final two seasons, but it wasn't his prime time. Oh, uh, is it's Deion Sanders. Prime time Deion Sanders is correct. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last one. Jake, you may know this. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Much to the dismay of Browns fans, Bernie Kosar was cut by head coach Bill Belichick before he went on to this team and won a Super Bowl. Oh, jeez. Where I did Bernie Kosar win a Super Bowl? In the 90s. Um, I, I have no idea. Like the I said, Rams. I'm sure there are tons of not people Rams, listening right. that know this. I, I'm sorry. I'm not very good with my sports <laughs> trivia. So I'm, oh, I'm not sure. Think um, of 90s Super Bowl teams. There's can you one tell in me AFC or NFC? Is, is that allowed? They are in the NFC. Is I will it, give you that. Is it? Well, you already the, had your guess. Yeah, no, so. I know. <laughs> Bernie Kosar was cut by the Browns. He went on to this team and won a Super Bowl. If you do not uh, know this... I don't know. I don't even want to throw a guess out there because I'll sound just, silly. It Check a is guess out there. the Dallas Cowboys. See, when you said 90s, I immediately was like, oh, it's definitely the Cowboys then. Because yeah. the Cowboys ran the 90s. Two more categories? Yep. And then we will also do Final Jeopardy as well. Um, so the final two c- uh, categories are multi-sport NFLers and undrafted legends. So Let's get rid of undrafted legends, I feel like. All right. This might be a rough one yeah. for both of us. <laughs> All right. Well, I try to make them somewhat easy, but we'll see. My version of easy might be different from others. So, <laughs> before becoming the face of the Houston Oilers, this player started his pro career with the CFL. Oh, um, no idea. Isn't it Warren Moon? Warren Moon is correct. Boom. No idea. Who that is. <laughs> uh, this undrafted quarterback led the gl- the greatest show on turf to a Super Bowl in 2000. Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner is correct. I, didn't, I could arguably the greatest undrafted player of all time. Uh, moving down, this undrafted longtime tight end was also a basketball star at, again, Kent State. Undrafted tight end? Yes. Kent Long State. time is also a big key word here. Tight end who's played a very long career. Do any of you know I, this? I'm Mercedes Lewis. Not Mercedes I, Lewis. I was just taking a guess on I want to ask for a team, but I feel like that's cheating. That is. I'm not going to give it to you. Uh, Gronkowski, I don't know. It is not Gronkowski. It is Antonio Gates Ooh. of the San Diego oh. Chargers. I, I forgot who he played for. Ooh, I forgot. All right. Known for his versatility, this offensive tackle slash kicker is the Browns' all-time leader in points. Offensive tackle slash kicker? Yes. You don't see many of those anymore, but back in his day... You did. Whoa. He played for Otto Graham and Jim Brown. I have no idea. Oh, yeah, I have no that idea. That would be Lou the Toe Groza. Oh, <laughs> oh wait, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't know that. That, that, makes, but, that makes more sense. All right. Final, final one in this category. Even though this undrafted running back won a Super Bowl ring with the Baltimore Ravens in 2001, most of his personal success came from his time with the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs running back. In the 2000s. Oh. I know who it is, but I can't think of his name. Like, I, I can picture his face, and I can picture him playing. I just I just don't remember his name. Oh. Any guesses, Jake? so bad. No? No. No idea. Jamal Charles. Not Jamal Charles. If that's who you were thinking of, Pat. It, it is not. It was a good guess, but that would be Priest Holmes. See, I, oh, I couldn't remember his name. 
It was killing me. <laughs> I told all you right. I'd be terrible. That's all right. Maybe you can redeem yourself with this one. Uh, one of these questions I feel like you could actually get, and it's going to be one of the tougher ones. So we'll mm. see. All right. So 100 for multi-sport NFLers. It's no wonder that this running back's career wasn't long-lived, as he was not only a pro bowler in the NFL, but also an MLB All-Star in 1989. Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson is correct. Becoming a first-round pick in both the NFL and the MLB is no small feat, but this current quarterback can claim both on his resume. Kyler Murray. Yes. <laughs> small in air quotes. Uh, often considered one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time, this player's biggest feat in the NFL was a, a win over the Steelers in overtime in the playoffs, and he became a Major League Baseball player for the Mets. Pat. Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow. <laughs> I, I, that game haunts me. <laughs> yep. It's, uh, as much as I hate the Broncos, I, I love watching that play. Uh, this Native American athlete was not only one of the most influential NFL players of all time, but he also won two Olympic gold medals and was a basketball and baseball star. Is it? Mm. We're talking. Can you repeat it one more time? Yes. This Native American athlete was not only one of the most influential NFLers of all time, but he also won an Olymp- two Olympic gold medals in a baseball and was a baseball and basketball star. Is it? Oh, I don't. I don't really We're know. Talking very old history here. Jackie very, Robinson, not Jackie Robinson. <gasps> um, <clears throat> Ted Hendricks. I don't really know. That would be Canton Bulldogs legend Jim Thorpe. Mm. Oh, I uh, now I can't Jake, believe that. This one might be in your wheelhouse. There's zero. Per- well, Final Jeopardy. I might. We'll see. <laughs> he might have been a beast in the ring and the octagon. But his preseason stint with the Minnesota Vikings proved that he was not cut for the NFL. I think I know who this wait, is, but I'm going to wait for him to go. Are you going to let him go? Say the first part again. He might have been a beast in the ring in the uh, octagon. Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, number 69 on the Minnesota Vikings. That was worth 500 That was worth 500 I will give you that. So the final Jeopardy question is... Do you want to know the, the score right now? You know what? Yeah, let's hear the score. Pat, you have 2500 I have 1300 all right. Well, you could Not wager. Great. You could wager everything, and still, you know, who who knows? Let's do it. Who am I? Is the category as always? I'm going to read off some accolades here. You have to guess that player. I'm going to leave out some obvious things, but uh, here we go. I am a Hall of Famer who played in the NFL from 1985 to 1999. I am a three-time Super Bowl champion and a two-time league MVP. I began my professional career in the original USFL. And I became a supplemental draft pick by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I spent one season in Tampa between before being traded to the team I became most successful with. So I will read some of those again. He was a three-time Super Bowl champion, two-time MVP. He began his prof- professional career with the USFL, was drafted by the Buccaneers. Oh. Played from 85 to 99. I See, I know the position. That he played. I just don't remember his name. Yes, it, um, he is a quarterback. I will give you that. Oh, I, I don't remember. Oh, this is bad. This is really bad. Um, this could also go into that they played their two category. Because he was drafted by the Buccaneers. But saw more success with this team. I mean, without knowing the team that he was actually successful with, I'm having a really hard time pinning it down. I I don't have a single guest pad. I'm just going to Kobe it and say, like, Joe Montana or something. I'm just going to Kobe it. Right team, wrong player. Oh. Jake. 
Can you get this? I don't even have a guess, Dan. Yeah, I don't Think know. Think of the all-time great 49ers quarterbacks, not Joe Montana, but oh, his said, successor. You said 49ers. I missed that part. I said, yeah, he, he said Montana. I said right team, wrong player. Oh. Who was the heir apparent to Joe Montana? Pat, I know you know this. Oh, I think I just Jake. got it, and I'm so upset that you I just got oh, it. Oh my, Steve Young? Steve Young is correct. Oh, uh, I, as soon as goodness. as soon as it clicked. Oh, did we did we do any wagers? I don't know. If we I did, wagered my entire b- bank. All right. So also, I guess how much, Pat? Did you wager anything? I I did not. All right. Well, it looks like Jake is the winner. Then he doubled his score. Uh, Pat did not. I also would like to proudly announce that Argentina is bringing home the World Cup. They have defeated France in penalty kicks. Congratulations to Lionel Messi. Congratulations to Argentina. They have won. They are World Cup champions. Let's also throw a congratulations to the Akron Zips women's basketball team. They defeated Stetson on the road 58-50. to So winners all around here on Sports Power Talk. And speaking of a winner... Dan Groen, it's uh, it's it's finally time. A couple minutes left in the show. I wanted to book some time in the show today to properly say goodbye and say our farewell, not only to you, but your farewell to WZIP uh, production. You were the production director, but also WZIP Sports, your uh, involvement in this department and just the station as a whole. So I'll leave it to you, your closing words, your final sports take on air, all that and more. I mean, take it away. All right. Well, I, for the record, I'm not a very emotional guy, and I had to write down a lot of my thoughts um, instead of being just like a normal person and reading them or having them already in my mind, but whatever. Um, but, yeah, my time here at WZIP has been unreal. I, I can't say how much I appreciated everything that I've done up here. I came up here with you, Jake, the same year. We graduated high school together, and we came up. Not necessarily knowing if this was going to be what we wanted to do. We're just like, all right, let's just give it a try. Um, I don't want to work in radio. I don't see why I should be here. But it was the best decision that I've it, that I've made um, here in my collegiate career because it pretty much defined it. Every All the friends and everything that I've made here has been part of WZIP. Uh, some of those things, including creating SPT overtime, you know, I that was probably the most... The thing I'm most proud of here at WZIP is putting together a podcast where we can talk about other sports, we can put on full-length interviews, and it's really become something that I never imagined it would, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how much it progresses over the years. Um, I got to meet so many players, so many coaches. Like I said, Mark Latestu, it was an honor to meet him, uh, go to the Hall of Fame and everything, cover some games. It was really awesome. I got to meet... One of our coolest, or undoubtedly the coolest and most loyal fan in WZIP sports history, Jake Murren, a GOAT. Um, It was awesome to get to meet him at one of my hockey games that I was announcing. Um, Absolutely love you, man. It's, It's, you know, sitting in front of a mic, it's hard to understand, like, the impact that you have. But once you see it firsthand, like... How, how our content up here touches other people. It, it just kind of puts it into perspective. Um, and then, of course, getting to be part of the greatest sports talk show this side of Lake Erie, probably the thing that I love most about being up here and getting to meet some of the awesome, great people that I've met, 
Jake, like I said, we graduated high school together. Uh, we started our collegiate careers here at Colby Hall in uh, Dr. Treese's room. Little did we know that we'd be up here today. Um, and honestly, I don't know if I would be up here without you kind of, you know, helping me along the way, uh, finding our way through college. Pat. You're one of the funniest people I've ever met, to be honest. Um, I made a lot of good memories with you. Like I said, getting to interview Mark Letestu, um, going to the USL, USFL playoff games was awesome. Having a lot of fun with our podcast, especially that USFL one where, man, if we put that out there, <laughs> we would be in trouble. That's all I'm saying. If we put it uncut. Um, but but yeah, that was thankfully, some, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah, but that was some of the more great memories that I've had up here. Um, elsewhere in our department, Logan, you're one of the nicest, funniest people I know. Yeah, we like to bicker about Baker Mayfield and heat culture and all that stuff, but you're honestly one of my closest friends who I can always share a laugh with and reach out to whenever I need it. I really appreciate everything that you've done uh, for me and the station. Alex, you're also one of the funniest people I've ever met. You always seem to know how to make people happy. Even in my worst days, you never fail to make me laugh and... Same with you, Marcus. You always know how to cheer people up. You're so funny. Every time I see you, I always laugh at something. Um, I love to make fun of your status as an NFL widow and everything and your hilarious takes. But honestly, you're one of the coolest people I've met. And fortunately, I get to keep working with you. But I'm definitely going to miss hearing your quarterback comparisons to types of salads for sure. Matt Premuka. I don't know if there's anyone who shares as much passion for the Browns as with me as you do. You know, I've been on the show with you so many times, and each time I'm always impressed with your knowledge and your breakdowns of the game. You really put things into perspective. you got such a bright future ahead of you. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do in the future. Casey, just like Pat, you always, you've helped make our podcast happen with your passion and knowledge of hockey. Um, everything that I imagined our NHL episodes to be has been made possible because of you. You know, you're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. I hate you for that. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, honestly, I was hoping that we could have some Pittsburgh representation up here, just given how popular the Penguins are, and you've done an excellent job, and I hope that you guys can continue our podcast um, in the future once I'm gone. Lana... I remember listening to one of your DJ breaks uh, last spring. You were talking about the Cavs or something. You were talking about the All-Star Game and all these players you got to meet and all these people. And when I was listening, I came in and I said, you should seriously consider joining the sports department. And you did, and I think it is an amazing decision that you made. I think you fit in very well here, and I honestly really appreciate you getting me to get those tickets to the Hall of Fame, to meet Josh Cribbs, Donnie Shell, and some guy who I didn't realize was uh, Reggie Langhorn at the time. So awesome memories I made with you. Emily and Devin, I wish I had the opportunity to get to know you guys a little bit better. You're both fantastic people. You've done so much for the station, and I really am looking forward to seeing what you guys do once I'm gone. And once you guys are graduated and everything, I really look forward to seeing all that. And... I can go on forever with all these other guys up here at the station, but, you know, I won't for time purposes, um, so I'm just going to leave it with that. And there's one more thing, if I don't get choked up here, uh, that I want to share before I sign off. And, you know, I'm not going to try to damper any mood or draw sympathy or whatever, but probably one of the biggest impacts that WZIP has had on me is helping me get through some really dark times in my life. 
Um, last spring, hit an absolute low point. For those of you who don't know, um, I don't know any other way to put this, but I had a self-inflicted attempt on my life. We'll just call it like that. Uh, we'll just say it how it is. Um, with WZIP and this amazing support system that we've had here, I'm not sure if I'd still be here, to be honest. Um, again, this isn't to draw any pity or sympathy or attention or whatever, but it's just to show how much I care about everyone up here at the station. I don't know what I'd do without you guys, and now that I'm going to leave, I'll be honest, I don't even know what I'm going to do without you guys. So I'm going to leave off with two pieces of advice before we sign off because I know we're starting to uh, bleed over time. One, please don't re- hesitate to reach out for help if you need it, whether it's mentally whatever it may seem hard to do and trust me i've been there it's still hard for me to do um because i've lived for years with mental health struggles before getting the help i needed to and i hope that no one does that i hope that no one has to go through the pain that those of us with mental health struggles have to go through but even just opening up to ones that you trust can make a difference and if you know someone who's struggling please reach out to them and if you are struggling or know someone who is there's resources out there. I know it sounds cliche, but your life matters. And even though you may not feel it, it really does. Um, and the second piece of advice I have uh, that really applies to anything in life, step outside of your comfort zone. Try some new things. That's what I did here at WZIP. When I came to WZIP, I was just terrified of being on air. I didn't want to be on air. I wanted to be behind the scenes. Um, I didn't. I was scared of you know, getting to interview some high-profile athletes and coaches and everything. But I took that step. I took it on, and it's been, like I said a million times, it's been probably the greatest experience of my life being up here at WZIP. Um, So that is something that you can't, you know, look, you know, you can't take away. Go out there, try new things. As my mom always says, you only regret the things in life that you don't do. So with that... I just want to say thank you to Chris Kepler for giving me the opportunity to be up here at WZIP. Couldn't have done it without you, man. I want to thank my parents and my family for supporting me in every way that they can, financially, emotionally, in every way. They've raised me and my five siblings right, and without them, I wouldn't be here um, doing the things that I love to do the most. And I want to thank the listeners for making this all possible, of course, couldn't do it without you and lastly i just want to thank everyone up here at wzip for being such awesome friends giving me the connections that you know i've always hoped to make here in college that i wasn't sure if i ever would and yeah that's that's my piece and um of course go browns and go jackets exactly great words there from dan Groen. a little emotional i know um pat Obviously, you guys have had a great connection with hockey and USFL, things like that. Any last words for, for Dan Groen? Uh, I just want to say thank you for everything that you've helped me out with, in, at least in my time here at college. Um, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun getting a chance to become your friend and get to know you over the past three years. Mm-hmm. Um, starting NHL Hockey Talk and going to the USFL, even having the USFL podcast. And you know, like you said, getting a chance to go to that Hall of Fame, uh, the tournament for the USFL was it's definitely one of my favorite things that I've had a chance to do in college. One of my best memories that I've had, and I'm glad I got to share that with you. Um, honestly, I've I've really enjoyed getting a chance to watch you grow because you you weren't always exactly the most outgoing, or you were very outgoing, I should say, but not with your emotions or anything. Mm-hmm. And in the past few years, I'm I'm glad that you started to open up and 
you know, recognize that we, we are here for you, and you are one of our best friends up here. You're one of the greatest guys that I've ever had the opportunity of meeting, and I'm really excited to see the impact that, you know, you've not only left here at WZIP, but here on this campus and wherever you go in your career. So, like I said, thank you for everything that you've done, uh, helping me through everything, and I'm going to try to carry the podcast without you. It's going to be really hard to do it without you by my side, but I'll try to make it work. And I'm going to miss you up here, but I look forward to seeing what you do in your career. Thank you, Pat. Great words there from Pat. For me, Dan, I mean, you said it pretty well. I mean, we came from Green High School together on this journey, media studies, communications major, and it's 100% fair to say that I would not be here in this chair hosting SBT in this station at all if it wasn't because of you. Uh, I say this a lot. You pretty much dragged me into this radio station. It's something that I wanted to do, but my self-confidence at the time and my introverted self just wouldn't allow myself to go out and do something like this, talking on air every Sunday, and all the experiences I've had at WZIP. Of course, I have to thank so many people for that, but number one person I should thank is you, Dan, because without you, I would not be here, and we really came into this together. We started in sports and production. I worked my way up in sports. You worked your way up in production, helping each other the entire time. And like you said, SBT overtime, it wouldn't be a thing without you. I can't underplay your role in that process. Episode one and episode two, I mean, that was that was us, Dan. And yep. a lot of this journey is possible based on the hard work that you put in in sports. And like I said, it's just I'm appreciative of you being here, helping me out, getting me in this radio station. And it's going to be hard without you. I know you're just going across the hall to ZTV, <laughs> and you're not graduating yet. You'll actually end up graduating with me later in May. But it's a hard realization that, you know, you're not going to have the desk ne- next to me in the director's room anymore. And you're not going to be that constant presence around WZIP. For it, And I'm going to really miss those moments. We've shared a lot of classes together. And uh, I wish you, obviously, the best in ZTV. Hopefully we see you around a lot more than I'm expecting to in WZIP. But like I said, it's going to be weird uh, knowing that I'm not going to be able to say on these airwaves, joining me is is Dan Groen. So um, I appreciate all your contributions. And like I said, just wish you the best, man. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. And maybe this isn't the last time that I'm heard on a mic up here. I hope maybe to be a guest on some podcast in the future but um i still want to hang around the station up here and you know it's it's hard to leave wzip but it's time and i'm very appreciative of all the opportunities and all of all the people i've got to meet up here so thank you all absolutely and that will do it for the december 18th edition of sports power talk and again the last spt on a sunday of 2022 we talked about zips basketball the cavaliers nba awards deshaun watson's home debut and so much more uh any last thoughts on uh today's show guys go Steelers! i'm so sad to be saying goodbye to you dan uh, at least on these airways it's gonna be rough but i i know i'll see you around and if you ever need anything please reach out let me know I'm always going to be here for you. You're always going to be one of my best friends that I've made up here at college. So just thank you for everything that you've done, not only you know for me as an individual, but for uh, this radio station as a whole and for everything that you've done on ZTV and WCIP. I'm extremely grateful to have been able to meet you, so thank you for everything. Of course, man. Thank you, Pat, for those kind words and being an awesome friend, being the bright spot in my life when I needed it most, you know. Um, if I had one more thing to add to the show before I sign off, 
Super Bowl, Super Browns. There you go. <laughs> Not much for me to add to that, guys. It pains me to close out the show knowing that Dan Groen won't be back in studio to do this again with us. Obviously, we wish you the best in ZTV next semester and in your career in sports media and video production. That'll do it for Sports Power Talk this calendar year. We'll try to do a live show on a weekday or weeknight, but something that will not go away is SBT Overtime with new episodes dropping every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. Joining me on today's show was... Patrick Weber. And for the final time... I'm Dan Rowan. My name is Jake Marin. Be kind to one another. Have a happy holidays. And Sports Power Talk will be back in your life before you know it on 88.1 WZIP.